Alec Baldwin trivia. Rangers and residents of Briarwood, California, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my lovely comrade, Kennedy. Baldwin movie Miramax. (laughs) (laughs) And today we have served up for you a nice plate of Mystic Force review. (laughs) You couldn't already guess by the last two episodes that we did being about mystic force (laughs) who knows you might be just listening in out of nowhere hey if this is your first episode ever welcome to the sentai truther club and it's good to have you here yeah welcome we hope you enjoy your stay so mystic force is a show that we watched oh come on (laughs) you're gonna give it the spd average five out of ten treatment off the bat no i'm not i'm not um, okay. No, Mystic Force was really interesting. It was a bizarre experience and often very fun, very funny, sometimes ultra cringe and also bizarre and incoherent and biblical. <laughs> really biblical. It is like stupidly religious. Like yeah, I really, like I just like like, uh, in, like by the end they just they just tear the mask off. They're just like, oh, this this is religious Power Rangers. It kind of felt like watching Veggie Tales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do wish it was more Muslim, but unfortunately, it's very Christian. It's really Christian. Yeah, it yeah. is not. It is not even. It does not have its ear to the door of universalism at all. Period. This no, is a not Christian at all. Story. The the sixth Ranger has a literal cross. On his helmet. (laughs) And he punches a ticket. (laughs) A train ticket. (laughs) Just like Christ. Yeah. Straight straight to good magic. He came back from the dead. And he was like, boom. Multi-pass. Yo, you can punch a ticket to heaven and gain heavenly powers. Like, that's That's literally the Sixth Ranger. (laughs) And it's cool as fuck. Like, there's damn. Some cool shit. Yeah. All right. Let's get. Let's just get into it. I don't think that there's really any way to do this except just to do it, because there's so much to say and so much to cover. I pre- yeah. like. I know. It. Like last season, I was just like <laughs> last season. I was like, I think it's gonna be better than it was than what we think we we're gonna give it coming into it. Because right now, like, you're really not feeling it. <laughs> I'm like prior to this finale, but I'm I'm when I get to my actual conclusion, it's gonna be more moderate. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm gonna come out of this more positive as well, just because like I, I know I said that for SPD and I was kind of wrong, just because like there was so many I didn't realize just how many times the Rangers in that season created the problem. Realistically, in this season. Uh, you don't really have that. It's just more like, oh, Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, and that in and of itself is pretty cool because like prior to even watching this show, I recently revisited Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, and I opted no. not to watch all, uh, I think it's eight movies. I, I opted not to watch them um, just because I wanted to wait for my son to be here. Uh, just to watch it with us, right? Because like I still find like problematic media 
from back then. There's still like more. I feel like especially during the era of like material that necessarily wasn't written that was written like prior to 9-11. As you could tell, like even through Power Rangers has more socialist sort of undertones that you can like kind of get those those nice good moral messages from, right? But uh unfor- unfortunately, you know, that's sort of like teetered away. I feel like Harry Potter is still of that kind of era, even though the movies kind of take place uh way after that, right? Uh, yeah. And Sorcerer's Stone definitely still has that magical feel. Um, I think it definitely has the locations right, right? Like it, it makes Britain look like a really fun place. <laughs> Come to the countryside of Britain. But, you know, like you still get those, you're still charmed by all of it, right? Because magic is magic, right? Like shit yeah. happening on screen that's not like caused by your fists or or realistic weapons is still really cool when the CGI can catch up to it. And we're in the, in the two thousands, especially towards the mid two thousands, we were kind of at that aspect where like basic magical effects, like lightning and like shit that you can do in like Sony Vegas with like a five minute tutorial, probably now, (laughs) you know, like in the mid two thousands, I felt is when that CGI was getting pretty good. So stuff like Harry Potter and all that other jazz was uh, better for it, right? Than had it been released like when the books were like just coming out, right? Right. Um, right. So, so like I think because of that, the sort of gradual shift in time, and then Power Rangers and Super Sentai looking at Harry Potter, going, "Hey, uh, you know, like the grid magic, like kind of the same and thing." We need to be clear. We need to be clear. Because you you briefly mentioned this, but I really want to emphasize that it is obvious that the Sentai footage also was thinking about Harry Potter. Yeah, the Sentai, like, they were enamored. They were in love with Harry Potter, it seems like. There's Um, definitely some strong nods in the Sentai footage. And then combine that with the fact that the American version... You know, they're adding even more nods in and it's like, this is Harry Potter as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, I do feel like there were certain scenes because I don't think I think this is probably stuff we're going to gloss over. You can kind of tell that this is the liberalized version of whatever the 90s era socialism magic was, Mm -hmm. even in the choice words, especially when they go over Nick, who is like the Harry Potter chosen one character. Yeah. Um, Nick, I I feel like Nick talks in like liberal Obama esque tones in times, especially towards the end when he really starts to believe in himself. He talks about like courage versus like having compassion and love for one another. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like really like friendship and the compassion that he has of his friends that keeps him going. But yeah. instead, he says it's like the courage that we all share, you know, instead of like that. So it's more like individualized sort of uh, feel, but it's still fun. It's still so much fun. Strength, friendship, access to healthcare. Yes. (laughs) Rules. 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 Good magic, dark magic. This is is one of the rulesiest seasons. And it's weird because they throw out the last three seasons 
relatively established a Disney canon of how the morphing grid works, how you become the po- a Power Ranger, and like details surrounding that. Um, and this season they chose to throw all that out, but in that way where it's like, here's the new Power Rangers fourth edition rule book, and it's three times as thick as the last one. And you're like, what? I thought the last set of rules was confusing. Why is the book thicker this time? <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Like, it's kind of... It's cringe when they talk about it out loud. I, I kind of feel like... You, you remember the when January 6th was happening in real time? And uh, we were getting videos of like, and we, we like didn't really know the extent of it. Right. Cause it was like a developing story. Yeah, so like we were getting footage it and, and streaming whatever footage we could find in real time. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> th- there was that one video that popped up where you had like the QAnon shaman and a couple of others just entering into the house chambers and you have that one cop, capital officer that's like, come on, man, this is sacred. Come on. Oh, dude, come on. You don't want to, you don't want to be doing, oh, dude, come on, man. Don't dude, get behind the podium. Oh. oh, you know, it's a lot of that. Yeah. It's a lot of <laughs> caressing the flag for a nice photo op. It's a lot of never Trumpers. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's go. All right. So the intro is Broken Spell, the two-parter that we covered in our first episode from this arc with uh, Arlen Hellison. It was right? good. Uh, yeah, we, we, really, we really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I don't think it was anything too spectacular, but it was pretty good. It was a good start. Um, yeah. It made fine. us hopeful for the rest of the season, that's for sure. We were, we were like thoroughly pogged. We were amped. Yeah, it was better than pretty much every Disney era start. Maybe even Ninja Storm, although that one I'm a little more on the fence about. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I look at Ninja Storm more fondly now, I think. It was good. It was really good. Yeah, and I think we're going to look upon it even more fondly when we watch that filler. The supposed filler for that one. I hope so. I mean, the alternatives <laughs> that we we go, oh no, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the cast is so strong in that one that it's kind of like eh, you could get away with it. Um, speaking of filler, we didn't we watched every episode this time. Yes, so we determine what's filler now. <laughs> uh, next up was Code Busters. Codebusters is the one where Chip and Vita. I'm. We're gonna go over a lot of episodes. I'm not gonna be able to give in-depth discussions of a lot of them, but there's like three plots for every episode. There's no way. There's like an A plot, a B plot, and a C plot going on all at the same time. Too many plots. It's a. It's sometimes it's fine, but at times it is a bit of a problem. (laughs) I'm gonna say it. I think it's to its detriment, actually. I think every time it relies on the three pillars too much uh, because normally one of the plots is weak and that consumes 33% of the screen time. Yeah. It's not like yeah. each plot gets like 
sometimes it gets 50, the other one gets 40, the other one gets 10. No, 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 no. More often than not, all three plots get even time. There's definitely maybe just a, a formulaicness to a lot of this stuff, too, where, like, it wouldn't necessarily be worth discussing every single plot of all 32 episodes in depth because a lot of them are just a plot we've seen before in the Power Rangers or in this season. <laughs> so, I'm but gonna anyways. say it. I think we're. I think we're better off actually just going off of the Wikipedia summaries. Um, yeah, I'm gonna be like, as oh. brief as we can for, in general, and we can dive into some specific ones as necessary. But um, I will say, Codebusters is kind of an interesting one. Uh, it's the one where Chip and Vita do like odd jobs to try to get more magic. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of Disney's Hercules when he was trying to be a true hero. So they pulled that one straight from the source. Yeah, or it's a little Mystic like Forest. Time Force, right? Like when they move into the clock tower and they're like, let's get odd jobs. Wes <laughs> needs to be a better person and Wes, be able to relate yeah. to the working class. Let's have him do ordinary work. Wes needs to do six months of poverty tourism so that he can pretend to understand the working class for the rest of his life. Wes needs, to, Wes needs to donate to the Black Hammer organization at the highest tier, at least. <laughs> <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah, basically. I'm really mad that we didn't do that, by the way. Why did we not do that for the Griff Ranch? I will never understand. I'll never understand. Uh, Chip, Chip and Vita... Uh, are like Udana's like you have to do good things to get magic and Chip and Vita are like okay we'll do odd jobs for people that are struggling with random shit and they like help an old lady find her missing shoelace or some bullshit and uh, they get to the end of that and it doesn't work out it, it's quite as they'd hoped it doesn't like immediately give them a bunch of new magic and they're like I love Aww. that fact um, and then uh while they were goofing off, the other rangers got captured by Necroli, so Chip and Vita have to save the day, and what do you know, they do actually discover some new magic, and that's the episode. It's fine. It's better than the Time Force one, for sure. Way better. It's, uh, we, I will say, it's, we've had a problem for many seasons in a row, where the third episode is this, like, ditch that you fall into. <laughs> and this is not that, so that's an improvement. Yeah, for sure. So Rock Solid is up next, and that's the one where Madison is shy and takes pictures of people instead of talking to them. More accurately, video, but I don't know. This one tries to develop Madison but fails, but it kind of develops Nick a little bit in an interesting way. So that was okay. Madison and development... <laughs> Next up is Whispering Voices, <laughs> which is uh, Korag uh, starts to get into Nick's head for the first time. Really, yes, like, it hasn't really happened before this, and this is like the start of that. This is really important. Um, this is an ongoing plot point where Korag can just communicate with Nick uh, straight into his mind um, to like mess with him and stuff and eventually like Nick kind of gets used to it and it stops being so much of a like psychological manipulation tool and just more of Korag just like calling Nick up and be like 
catch me outside the Seven <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's honestly pretty funny. Because <laughs> the the Rangers will just be hanging out in later episodes, and Nick will just touch his head, and Korag will be like, "Let's go! I'm ready to fight." I I know we talked about this in the best and worst a little bit already, but uh, uh, Korag really just loves to just <laughs> just roll in, like Korag just gets up every day, just. And just his routine, part of his routine is just go to the city, cause trouble for a little while, and then leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of Korag plots. Very funny stuff, honestly. He just wants to tussle. He's like, yo, let's, let's go after school, 3 p.m., right outside the cafeteria. Meet me there. If you don't, I'm going to jump the shit out of you. <laughs> it makes me think of like uh Hajime no Ippo or like an anime like that where you have like your shonen protagonist, you know, in the case of that show Ippo the boxer, and then he has that like dude that he's like in love with that won't hang out with him and all they do is fight when they see each other. Like that it's the, it's that kind of vibe, you know. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> Which kind of makes sense given the revelations that come later. So anyway, <laughs> um, uh, also this is uh, the start of an unfortunately an important plot point, which is Lily is sus. She's a mogus. Uh, she's, uh, she's a very suspicious person. Um, and uh, she frames Nick of stealing money from the rock porium. But she does it really badly. I want to point this out. She literally just hides the money in a different place in the store that it wouldn't be hard to find, which is like basically like by slash under the cash register kind of. So Toby just finds the money and resolves that plot. It's very amusing in a weird way. <laughs> but it's yeah. also like just weird the lily plots oh anyway uh we start to get the sense that lily is like probably a little bit someone to keep your eye on she's up yeah, to something she kind of seemed like a like a one-off character like i was actually surprised that they kept bringing her back yeah also this is when that detail that there's like hunt like at least like 10 record stores in the area right because oh, she says that 10 record stores yeah. got robbed already oh and a record God. store thief is the one that's stealing the money yeah so okay this so is that's where we got that thing. detail from the intro. right so this is how she comes up with the plot is because there is a record store thief in their area Specifically targeting record stores. Specifically targeting record stores at Briarwood, and they've robbed 10 record stores that day already. So there's at least, minimum, 10 other record stores in Briarwood. Minimum. Minimum. Because she, Very... she said 10. She didn't say all. No, yeah, she was clear. Yeah, 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 yeah. She didn't say all the other... No, she just said 
10 others. She, I mean, God, she could have just said, all the other record stores around here have been robbed recently. And it wouldn't have been such a weird line. But now we're left to wonder about why does Briarwood have 11 plus record stores in <laughs> 2007 or whatever? What's going on here? This is kind of strange. Everybody's got Bose headphones. It's crazy. Yeah. This one was kind of important to developing Xander's character because Xander admits it's his fault. Towards the end, they like really have to pry it out of him because he's a very uh, slick guy. Uh, but he eventually owns up to the fact that it was his fault. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. got you. Uh, okay. So, uh, Legendary Catastrophe is next. We covered that in our Best and Worst with Andrew Hillary. You can go listen time. to that. It's a, mm-hmm. good, it's a good episode, and I mean that in both senses. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Fireheart <laughs> is up next. Fireheart is, again, the begin. I feel like we're going to say this like a bunch of times before episode 15. The beginning of a long plot. <laughs> yeah, just way too many plots, man. This is especially one that kind of gets drug out too much for what it is. This is like, the egg one, right? Yeah, this is the dragon. Okay. And it all turns out to just be a battleizer. I mean, like, it, it looked like a battleizer. It's it and it's cool. The battleizer, we can't we have to not let ourselves get too swayed by how cool the battleizer is cuz the battleizer is cool as fuck and it's like probably the coolest battleizer ever. But we it's have fine. to admit it took way too much effort. I do agree that the battleizer shouldn't have been revealed so late in the game. Actually, did it be, be revealed so late in the game? Super late. Mm-hmm. It's they like episode 28 out of 32. They literally, right? I'm just going to cut ahead in what happens here with this whole... So Fireheart, uh, it's actually a pretty good episode. Xander tries to be too much of a leader and discovers that he actually needs to listen to other people. Because he kind of, like, he doesn't really express it in the same way of sky in spd but he kind of low-key wanted to be the red ranger and he's not super hurt but he's like mildly hurt you know he is and so like, butthurt about it and and so not like sky though it's 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 not like that because like he basically they have to contain the writers have to actively contain xander's power level like i don't <laughs> think you understand <laughs> like xander it like pulls off a good to great performance without even trying. Oh, he's really good. Xander was a little hurt that he wasn't chosen to be Red Ranger. And in this episode in particular, he's feeling very hurt. Like it's that day when you wake up and like, you've been thinking about something for like the last few days and it's kind of bothering you, but you're like, eh, it's not a big deal. But then you wake up that one day and you're like, no, it is a big deal. I should have been the Red Ranger. What the fuck? <laughs> and so <Xander laughs> is just like acting out in this episode and he makes a big fool of himself and he admits that he was wrong. And so that's, it's kind of fun in that regard. And he still gets to be a little bit of a hero before it's all over in the final fight. He still proves that like he is, he is a valuable member of the team. Just maybe he needs to slow his roll sometimes and not assume that he always knows best. They uh, have to ego. They like ego check him three times yes. in the beginning of the season because they're like, "You're not the Red Ranger. Stop, 
Also, Stop initially, it. Xander has this thing at the record store where he, like, doesn't work and abuses everyone else. And, like, he has to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you're being a shitty manager. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Which um, is a very Red Ranger problem, right? Especially in the Disney era, I feel. Because, like, the Disney era has had more Red Rangers just, like, be cocky assholes. Yeah, whereas Nick is, like, he's kind of Andros. Yeah, Nick is, like, the second coming of Andros. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's literally. Back, we're we're talking about how Jesusy this season is. Nick is bringing back the character archetype from the Jesus season for for the Red Ranger. <laughs> the the season where Zordon was Jesus is somehow less Jesusy than this, folks. It's true. It's really true. So it's kind of that Andros thing again, where Nick is this slightly unreliable Red Ranger who wants to go off on his own and doesn't really necessarily feel like he needs a team and there are frequent times where like the team is kind of doing one thing and nick's kind of doing another a lot like in space and uh honestly i mean that worked in in space and it kind of works here for the most part sometimes they drive the point home too many times they do it like with nick it's like they're still kind of toying with the is nick really a member of the team until literally the final moments of the finale <laughs> like dude <laughs> no <laughs> we need to like i mean we'll address it when we get to the end we need to like keep going i yeah. can't stop if we stop i'm gonna be talking for way too long so yeah but anyway so they get they get this uh half of a map um, that's going to lead them to the Fireheart. They don't know exactly what the Fireheart is. I'm going to rush through all of this for the sake of not discussing it over and over again. Um, Fireheart's a dragon egg that hatches into a dragon that turns into a battleizer. And again, this takes forever. Like, first there's the map. They don't, they don't solve the map shit in this episode. They don't solve it in the next episode. That shit lingers for like five, six episodes or something. Then they have the egg. They got to hatch this dragon. That's a whole thing. That shit gets weird. Like straight up weird, which we talked about in the best and worst. Um, then the dragon hatches and they have to try to work with this young dragon. And then the dragon is missing for a while and then it gets bigger. And then they have to deal with the bigger adult version of the dragon. Because dragons turn to adults in like four hours or something. And uh, uh, they do even say that. Uh, and finally, on like episode like 27 out of 32, Nick's like, oh, the dragons of Battleize are sick. <laughs> yeah okay so um, <laughs> stranger within we covered partially in our best and worst so let's talk about it for just a second and just basically say that again that it was it was good um but in particular i think what we didn't cover the most and best and worst is that in part one, Chip really shines. Yes. Like, Chip basically gets to do the detective thing 
um, where, you know, he's off on a hunch and people don't take him seriously at first, but with a lot more grace and a lot less bullshit than the kind of garbage we had last season. Over and over again, they tried to do stuff like this with Bridge, but they didn't sell it because, like, they just treated Bridge like shit so much. Chip, it's it's that right balance. Like, it feels like a case-closed episode or something. Where yes. it's like, you're like, is Chip going a little too far off the deep end for a minute? But then it's like, nope. No, Chip's got this. Uh, and it concludes with a great plot hanger. Uh, <laughs> with a great cliffhanger. Like, a lot of the two-parters in this season felt slightly forced, but this one did not. This was brilliant. Like, you get to the end of it, you think they've solved the mystery, and then Chip draws that circle of chalk around Vita, and she's still a vampire! What? It's a you great really th- cliffhanger. Yeah, like, I think V and Chip both excel. I think Chip excels in part one, and V excels in part two. Yep. But also, I like the character development of Chip in part two as well, because in uh, Chip, like, basically, like, has a moral conflict for, like, a split second and opts to do, like, the greater good sort of thing, right? Of, like, yeah. killing V is what I have to do, so I got to do it, even if she is my friend. It's so, like, that was really cool. Yeah. Also, the, he he fucking he took out a bat. He forged a badass bolt. Like that scene where Chip and Udana are hanging out, and Chip's making the uh, Dawn crystal, and Udana's like, "You are a sorcerer now, Chip." That was like a moment where you're like, "Oh, Chip is like a power level ahead of everyone else in magic, specifically right now." Yes. <laughs> v too really I feel feeling. like I feel like V after this V also comes out stronger too yeah V comes out seeming pretty strong as well I agree um, right after that though Xander catches up because that's petrified Xander this was kind of almost in the running for best <laughs> but it's yeah. also almost filler it's a very interesting episode I feel I know the reason why we didn't give this best to. There's a few. Uh, there's a couple of reasons why I felt like. But yeah, um, there's some fun stuff in this episode, though. Xander gets a horrible pimple. And it's freaking him the fuck out. And he cannot deal with it at all. And like everyone's just kind of like, just, just chill, Xander. Off. Just like when we're all off of work, just go home. Pop that pimple, get in the bath. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't worry about it. And Xander's like, no, you don't understand. This is fucking with my entire sense of self. And he's just like having a meltdown. Um, And so he decides to do something dangerous, which is Claire has made this spray that heals plants, maybe. Uh, And Claire's magic is known to be dubious, but... Xander decides to spray this plant healing spray on his nose, and it does get rid of the pimple, but then he turns into a tree. (laughs) Yeah. It just seems so out of character for someone like Xander to be like that, you know? It was a little over the top in several respects. Yeah, just way too much. 
Yeah. Whereas, and and we just a couple episodes ago we had the Fireheart episode, which was a much better balanced episode developing Xander's character and you know kind of prodding at his slight narcissism and these things. You know, it was very interesting. So to have this right after. And then, of course, the other problem is that a bunch of it revolves around Phineas. Yes. Because Honestly, there is no good Phineas moments. There is no good footage of Phineas and another character. I'm not going to necessarily go that far, but here's what I'll say. If you could find one Phineas scene, or even like two... It wouldn't change the fact that there are dozens of fucking hours, it feels like, of this guy. And it just sucks. Yeah. There's just not any good scenes. Like, I, I, and I, and like, so much so that it drags an episode down. Like, I feel like our best episode, Stranger Within Part 2, didn't have Phineas. And like, that's one that we like, both you and I were like, oh, dude, this is the best. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Phineas and unfortunately, is one of many things that just felt forced in terms of like the fantasy bullshit. Every single time. Yeah. Every single time he shows up, he magically has the key to solving the problem. He has the right words to say. He's like And there's always this like, like what if a kid fucking what? bullshit music? That accompanies him when he arrives, like and it's like, ah, Phineas is here. And Phineas is like, I'm your goofy woodland pal. What if like, like fuck. But but like, what if like Phineas was like a five-year-old child who spoke in YouTube search terms? And it just so happened that the exact terms that they were speaking out loud from people's most searched history or whatever on YouTube were the right words that you needed to hear at that specific moment. Like, that's basically what it felt like. So whereas, like, the the owl in Time Force occasionally felt a little goofy or a little plot convenient, but it was like, this guy gets, like, 30 seconds an episode. Who cares for the most part? Like, it didn't really upset me. You know, it was just like, I just wasn't into it. Phineas is like that, given 10 times the screen time. And it's of no benefit to something like that. Because once you drag that shit out, it just becomes obvious how much this character feels awkward. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I hate him. Like, like I despise this character so much. He is, he is everything I hate about the southern United States <laughs> and its supposed southern charm. Because when it, when it comes off in the supposed right way, it comes off like this. Yeah. Phineas gives off a very unexamined conservative political beliefs that are getting a pass vibe. <laughs> yeah. Uh. But anyway, it's like you're, you're like really people still say that Phineas is like that dude that you think is cool and you've hung out with a few times and then you invite him over to play Xbox and he just starts dropping gamer words and you're like oh no what you're like this when people aren't around yikes yeah oof <sighs> it's a bad vibe folks anyway so petrified Xander 
um, ends with Xander getting this boxing glove spell power up, which is fun. It's a little silly, but it is fun. Uh, and also, uh, Toby um, solves the magic box, bringing back the, the whole Fireheart plotline. The map that they ripped in half, it was a symmetrical map, so they hold it up to a mirror, they figure that out. They get this box that's like a puzzle box and has a timer on it. And uh, uh, Toby is like, I love puzzles. I'm great at puzzles. Give me, give me that puzzle box. I'll see what I can do. And just see, shuffles off into his office. Uh, yeah, it's the always sunny meme. Yeah. <laughs> he has like lines drawn everywhere. Yeah. Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Toby, by the way, in contrast to Phineas, Toby, one of the best supporting characters this season easily. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. And, like, I, I honestly, I loved him here. This was great. Like, I thought I was going to hate Toby. I'm really glad that really he wasn't like that. think he's going to be, like, ultra cringe. But then every time you think he's about to do something incredibly cringe, they actually just, like, tend to take it in a different direction. And a lot of the stuff that he does is pretty funny. So he ends up being like one of the, the supporting characters that I usually was like, yeah, let's have some Toby, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the only good supporting character. Possibly. I feel like we almost have to rate supporting characters this season, but maybe not. Uh, next up was the Gatekeeper. Uh, the Gatekeeper uh, is a two-parter that revolves around Claire. And I have to say... It's kind of funny that Claire gets more character development than Madison. <laughs> yeah, what episode number are we on? <laughs> uh, this is uh, 11 and 12, so we're not even that far in, and we're about to get... We've had, Claire like, three Xander episodes. We've had, like, three Xander episodes. We And we've had... Uh, a couple of Nick episodes. A little bit of Chip and Vita. They tend to be paired up, and that's fine. But, yeah, it's like... <laughs> Nothing for Madison. Nothing for Madison. Nick is still a little underdeveloped at this point. Like, Legendary Catastros has been one of his, like, defining moments, but he's still a little underdeveloped at this point. And, and suddenly, out of the blue, we're going to learn all about Claire. <laughs> yeah, and another thing, too, I want to also add that we, we uh, skipped over was uh, Nick in the... Not the record store thief episode. I think the one where Nick gets brain tapped by Korag. Korag does this. I think it's Korag in that episode does that sick uh, trying to unleash the other uh, lieutenant from hell back on the earth. And then like he casts a spell to do it. The, the lieutenant comes back and starts is like trying to whoop Nick's ass and Nick goes counter spell. Oh, yeah, Nick does counterspell Mordecon the first time. Yeah. When Nick <laughs> counterspells Mordecon, that is, like, the poggiest shit I've ever seen in my damn life. Holy fuck. Because, like, like, the stakes wait, in that. The stack <laughs> is still technically open. Yeah, and, the stack and, and, is and so Korag's long. Like, Korag's like, no, the stack's, the stack's resolved, dude. And, 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 and Nick's like, no, 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 hold on. He pulls out the rule book. He flips to page like 69, way deep in there. And he's like, look at this rule, dog. The stack doesn't close yet. Counterspell! 
Yes, because you see the the enter the battlefield effect is still on the stack as well. So as it resolves, I can counter that the summon. Is like a card on the stack too. <laughs> yeah, but Nick like reaches into uh Nick reaches into his very being. Like he does some like I don't know, Super Saiyan type shit where he just goes, Goku yells and fucking does a counter spell. And it's amazing. I love that moment. That was <laughs> runner up for like best episode, but Phineas, man, that motherfucker drags episodes down. Yeah. So the gatekeeper. So Mordecai wants to get out for good and bring the forces of darkness to the surface of the world for the master, etc. I really wish Mordecai had just been the main villain. He was cool. Yeah. Um, they really don't do him any justice, too, in this, this final moments here. Um, the counterspell was cool. <laughs> yeah. But again, he doesn't get... Mordecai's supposed to be powerful as fuck, and he just gets dumped. Oh, yeah. Mordecai's like, fight me! Fight me! And like it comes to his title match, he's like, yeah, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And then, like, the mafia comes in and breaks his legs the day before the event. <laughs> he's like that dude in high school that at, at first glance you think is kind of tough. And he's, he's, you know, he rolls up in the truck blasting headstrong and whatever. But then, like, you realize after a few days that, like, underneath those cargo shorts, there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like an important that, that baggy, to go that out to. T-shirt is not hiding muscles. <laughs> I would have never expected him to go out in the first fifteen episodes. To be honest with you, yeah, you no, Morikon seemed that. like he was gonna he was gonna go the distance. He seemed cool as shit, and definitely the implication at first it definitely felt like Morikon is more powerful than Korag or Necroli. And fighting him is going to be a more serious, like defeating him is going to be a more serious ordeal than defeating either of the other two. That's like the first impressions around like episode three. And by now, it's obvious that that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even before he gets defeated. But anyway, so, so Claire's mom is the one who sealed the gate, sealed all the evil creatures into the pit of darkness into Dante's Inferno. Claire didn't know this because her mom died in the effort and Udana just basically raised her and that's how Claire came to be there. This is also kind of cool because <clears throat> this is when Udana finally like and, and Claire kind of like turned the corner. But prior to this, the whole thing with Claire was like borderline problematic where they were just like, look at the dumb blonde girl. Ha ha, she's dumb. Girls can't do anything. Ha 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 And just like, so many like really unnecessary jokes at her expense and just very cringe shit. And so yeah, this, this cool is like they... Claire's best moments, right? These two so, episodes? Pretty much. But like, also like after this, like the, the corner is turned, and they never treat Claire quite as shitty. Yes. Like, she's sometimes incompetent, but it's more of like a, you know, like, 
Um, I'm still to, learning. To bring uh -huh. it back to like Harry Potter, it's like it's kind of like Neville Longbottom. How eventually he's this character that like gets the respect that he deserves, and like you know maybe he's not good at every single thing, but he does have his talents. Like that gets to be Claire more so after this, which is just like I don't know. It's definitely an improvement because before this, it was very bad. So, so yeah, so Claire will probably become a great sorceress one day because her mom was. And, and her mom was just like her in that she was very bad at magic at first and then eventually became really, really good at it. So Claire learns this and is like, oh, okay. I can, like, work on myself and stuff. And a lot of this is, like, relatively good. I will say in part two in particular, they just kind of cut to Claire making faces a lot instead of giving her lines. Which was weird. <laughs> no, not even sound. Not even, like... You're doing the sound because this is an audio show, so we have to do that for the bit. But I just want to be clear that, like, she's not even making a sound. She'll just be, like, soy-facing. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then she'll, she'll soy-face right next to Nick. And Nick is also soy-facing. <laughs> <laughs> and Xander soy-faces a couple of times, I think, too. I, it's a, it, I don't know. It gets uh, messy. It gets really uh, but messy. But they, they stay in costume. This Only is Claire shows face. This is definitely one where um, the A plot is decent, but the B and C and all the extra bullshit they throw in, it's just one of those ones where you're just asking yourself, how did we get here? How did we get here? How did yeah, we get here? Yeah, because like, there was Pog moments, too, in this. And I was like, this yep. might be a contender for best. But then like they kept cutting to Claire's face. Yeah, and then I'm also... Like, I really like, don't... I don't... I'm not... I mean, if you're a Claire stan, like, yo, this, this is your <laughs> season. This, this is it. This is, this is, this is primo shit right here. The, um, the only, uh, the only thing better than this would be an explicit show at that point. But, uh, when, when Mystic Force lumps too much into an episode, not only do they lump in too much like storytelling, like cutting to people explaining things that you don't understand or something like that, but they also like they lump in too many battles that don't make sense. <laughs> and it, at a certain point, it's like this is the sixth battle this episode. Just end it. Stop. <laughs> I just had a thought in my head that you're going to fucking hate. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I got to okay. save it for the end. Okay. Fine. <laughs> so yeah, that's the gatekeeper. After that is Scaredy Cat, um which we covered in the best and worst. Very fun episode. Uh definitely just harken back to like many of the most amusing episodes of the Power Rangers. But Phineas. And this is Phineas's best moment, but that doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it really it really is his best moment. Cause I was I, I remember like I was like, ah, oh, you know, maybe Phineas isn't that bad. Maybe you really in that episode, if you were ever gonna feel hopeful for Phineas, like being a not as horrible character it was in that episode you were kind of like maybe maybe they could do something with this this kind of surreal plot going on with phineas and toby and this dentist who feels like he's pulled out of like scooby-doo or something like 
it, it kind of worked in a weird way, which we talked about in the best and worst. Like it was kind of fun, but Phineas was still the worst part of that fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. Next up was long ago, which was our worst episode. Uh, I just want to touch on the fact that um, it's really unfortunate that this was our worst episode because Daggeron is a pretty decent character overall. Magical source! Mystic force! I love it. Yeah. He's so pog. Yeah. Like, he's absolutely incredible. But it, Madison is so cringe. Yeah. This is, like, the most, like, half-chub episode I've ever watched in my life. Oh no. <laughs> I love the 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 ticket punching the heaven. I love the the golden cross ranger. Like it it almost felt like Zeo Gold's back and I'm like, "Let's fucking go, dude." Like we are here. This is like some of the best shit ever. And like Except there have been for- times There have been there have been times where we watch this show, and sometimes I'll ironically go, "Oh yeah, this show is back to being a 10. Right when the show pivots (laughs) to being good again, and like it was like the most split second, like this is the worst shit I've ever seen in my goddamn life, to being like this is the most pog shit I've ever (laughs) seen in my damn life. It was such an extreme situation. It was it was just whip, like whiplash, heavy whiplash. Yeah. Uh, Madison's character never recovers from this. Never. And also Daggeron's characters forever, forever cursed by this because it's never explained. It's never explained that he, he literally was a frog. says he doesn't know how it happened. He's just like, I don't know, it's cursed or the, something. Disney was just like, we need to make this a magic fairy tale to appeal to little girls. And they were like, Madison, can you kiss a frog for us? And then they retcon this. They retcon this later in the show. Yeah, because Madison just goes back to hating frogs. She doesn't learn a lesson. <laughs> doesn't make any sense no does not next up is uh inner strength which is xander getting my vein is like popping out of my head xander from remembering madison kissing that fucking frog <laughs> i'm know, so we sorry we have to move it's on it's like the silence in that moment just brought me back <laughs> and i just remembered i yelled the longest no of my life like I was yeah. trying to keep my cool because my son was here, but I was like yelling and I had to like contain myself in that moment. The fury that was boiling <laughs> to immediately being amped and fired up at seeing Dagger on and him in the Gold <laughs> Ranger outfit. Uh, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but my That's God, okay. the whiplash. Yeah, like The, the whiplash is real. The whiplash is so real because we all experienced it in that moment. Because I was like, they're not going to do this. And you were like, they're going to do this. And I was like, shit, <laughs> they're going to fucking do this. They're going to actually do this. Oh, no, they're actually doing it. And you're like, they're actually doing it. 
Disney is all about the fairy tale, dude. And I'm like, no! No! It was fucking, like, it's so vivid in my memory. It's burned. Like, remember when Amy was watching the beginning of the season with us and she was making these cheesy fairy tale jokes? She was right. She was right. <laughs> Shouts it's out to Amy. Fairy tale in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the New right, Testament. We, we gotta move on. We gotta move on. All right. Inner strength is the third time Xander gets ego <laughs> checked. Fourth time. Fourth time. The fourth time. I don't know how many times. The fifth or sixth time. They need to contain Xander's power level because he would just run with, he would run the whole show. It would be the squad listening to Xander. Um, So Daggeron, this is actually like one of the only kind of own goals episodes also because the Rangers don't really have a problem Daggeron just punishes them for not training hard enough, and Xander in particular. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the episode. Um, and Xander's like, quit riding my bulls. I've got a date. Whatever Kiwi shit he's always on about. Uh, <laughs> and uh, 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 He's a full-blown immigrant, as we find out later on. He, has, he gives us his whole backstory. He's like, you guys, you really accepted me. You accepted me in my Kiwi accent. I'm so grateful. Yeah, literally, literally, I was going to save this, but since you brought it up, I'm just going to drop it now. Nick is like, you don't know what it's like to be an orphan. And Xander's like, I've got a funny accent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a person of color. <laughs> Just because I'm from New Zealand doesn't mean I'm not prejudiced against. <laughs> it's fucking Actually, wild. Yeah, it's it's wild. Xander can't handle anti-Italian discrimination. <laughs> Guess what? Italy won, by the way. Oh, it didn't yeah. come home. Hell yeah. That'll be old news by the time this comes out, but... Yeah, fuck England. <laughs> fuck England. At the end of this episode, um, Xander gets the mystic muscles. Yo, the fact that they only bring this out one more time is awesome, first of all, because that means it's not filler. But also, it sucks, because I wish it was done more. Uh, Soul Spectre is up next. This episode, we felt like might be filler. Is this episode 16? Yeah. Yes, um, yes, episode 16 is filler. Doesn't introduce anything new or add new character development. Nope. If anything, um, Chip acts out of character in a way that isn't really explained. Extremely out of character. This is like... None of it matters either. ...of Chip. Yeah. Yeah. At, at first, you're kind of like, eh, maybe it's kind of not filler. Because, like, Daggeron mentions about how he's training him to be a knight, but, like, that goes nowhere. It's, like, never mentioned again. So, yeah. this is filler. Yeah. There's this B plot that Daggeron's going to train Chip to be a knight, but then it just turns out he's just training all the Rangers to be knights, and he, was, he just needed to give Chip a W. just had a bad week that's all this episode is it's very after school special 
It's like Chip just woke up and was just like, I'm going to choose the bad decision for literally everything. I'm going to do a diplomacy check and fail every time. No reason. Rolling zero. And it does not develop him. I want to be clear about that. It's not a, oh, Chip messed up. He doesn't always... No best something. No, he just you invite your no. best friend to the D&D campaign and they just happen to roll zeros. It's just it is what it is. Yeah. Just rolling ones all session. The only check he succeeds is like a not very important climb check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up is Ranger Down, uh, which is also kind of a weird one, but probably not filler although this one also felt borderline filler to me uh did it introduce anything new you know i'm actually not sure if it did this is the one where genji's just jealous that they all are spending time with fireheart and i think the only thing it theoretically introduces is the completely unimportant detail that phineas mostly raises fireheart after this go to the ranger wiki they're nerds it's literally unimportant. I, I, I actually, the more I think about it, episode 17 is definitely also filler, I think. Unless there's something I'm missing. And, you know, if you're listening and you think, hey, no, there's a really important reason to watch that episode, you know, email us or something. Twitter us, whatever. Twitter us. <laughs> uh, Dark Wish is next. It's a three-parter. It, oh, Madison, I think, was the reason why the last episode was big, right? Madison has kind of like some character development here. Barely. Not really. Oh, this episode, Udana realizes the baby Phineas found is her baby, Bowen. Uh, okay. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, then it's canon, so let me just give it the briefest explanation. We already kind of have, but Genji gets jealous because everyone's paying attention to Fireheart. He leaves. Madison also <laughs> feels kind of neglected by the group. So she kind of takes charge of some of that shit. They all eventually realize that they kind of need Madison, maybe, or at least they need someone to wear the blue suit. <laughs> <laughs> Madison's like, you realize I'm a manager too. Never let me into the meetings. They're like, we sent you the Zoom link last week. And she's like, that link was expired. I messaged everyone. Everyone left me on red. <laughs> All right. So you have to watch episode 17, I guess. Next up is Dark Wish, which is a three-parter. Dark Wish was... So much potential, and then incredible, crushing, unbelievable letdown. Um, to the point that one of these episodes was almost in the running for worst, except we were like, it doesn't really stand alone, and long ago is worse. Yeah. Because this whole time, they're like gearing up for a final fight between Nick and Korag, and you're like, it's going to be Pog. And it's it's going to be so Pog. <laughs> Korag's going to die, dude, and it's going to be epic, right? Because Zeltrax dies, and Zeltrax like has a Smitty. backstory for like one episode, and he's Smitty, and he dies, Smitty. and he comes back, and then he dies again. So like, surely, at least Kellogg's is gonna die once. 
Yeah, no, they pull every punch this season. It's one of the problems with this season. Uh, so, um, so this is a three-parter that just ends up dragging on so long and getting so weird, but I will attempt to very briefly summarize it. Um, it's one of those, like, oh, don't be too dependent on stuff. You can't just rely on the nanny state narrative, fucking neoconservative narratives that they love to do on Disney Power Rangers. It's, it's, it's basically exactly the same as Doggy Kruger being a passive-aggressive shit to his employees, uh, except... Um, like three episodes of them learning one very mediocre lesson that doesn't matter and is not even really like evenly applied or anything like it's just weird so anyway but basically the rangers they get like, the legendary warrior mode and a new megazord out of it yeah that that stuff's kind of cool but that's at the very very end it took yeah. way too long to get there. So yeah. basically, the Rangers, like, they want to use Genji to help them more because they're exhausted. They've been fighting lots of stuff. And Imperius is, like, just unleashing creature after creature. It's one of those situations. And uh, they're called the, um, the Barbarian Beasts. Uh, and so he has these four monsters, and they're wearing the Rangers out. The Rangers keep being like, Solaris Knight, can't we use Genji? Maybe we're fucking exhausted. We're so tired. We never have. Oh, time I hate off. these episodes. That's right. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. No, I remember. Yeah. The only cool part is the powers at the very end. Yeah. Um, they're like, listen, we don't take enough time off. We're exhausted. Can we just use Genji to help us a little bit more? And and Daggeron's like, nah, we can't be too reliant on Genji, guys. Unrelated to that, the villains have a plot to, like, steal Genji. But I just want to be clear that these things do not line up well. Okay? Like, sometimes you have this kind of after-school special effect with this, the Power Rangers where they line up the multiple plots and make it work like that. But they do not establish that the Power Rangers had any way of knowing that the villains were trying to steal Genji at all. Period. Or that using Genji would be risky in that way. Instead, it's just Daggeron going, we can't be fiscally irresponsible with the budget and give everyone health care. And the Rangers are like, why not? We're getting beat up every day. We need health care. <laughs> and so if the, it, the whole thing's very theatrical and forced. At the end of part one, after Genji gets stolen, what happens is... The, the evil uh, forces wish that good magic is gone. Um, the world turns to literally black and white. Everything's awful. Like, Toby's like a bag lady. They're like, uh, this is anti-communist propaganda, but we're not going to say it. Yeah. So the main thing that it is is that when the bad guys rule the world, nobody's able to listen to music. And they're like, what? No rock and roll? I love music. That's what Briarwood loves. I love my city. I wouldn't want music to go away. Not a well enough address plot point. Like, yeah. they really, they needed an episode 
where it's revealed why all of the rangers are in the music. There's like a one, you know how like there's those YouTube videos about like superhuman abilities and it's like, what are the percentage chances of you having a superhuman ability? Uh-huh. And it's like dependent on which one it shows or whatever. It's like one in two, one in seven. It's like every one in 256 who have like amazing freaking hearing that can just like sonically hear all across the spectrum uh, live in Briarwood. I swear. They, but yeah, really, like, they really needed an episode that explained why the Rangers are so into music. Give them, and like, just, musical wands, too. It they could have made that its own. It could have been, like, Wind yeah. Waker. Yeah. We could have had some, some I hate that game, but yeah. between the music and the magic, which is a really obvious... Composer? Like... Train composer? What? How am I the only one to think of that? Why Why was this not better stitched together? This is what we mean by too many plots. It's not even just that they all exist. It's that they're not stitched together. Anyway, so, so they live in a world without color or music or magic that is good. Only evil magic exists. Only evil. And the rangers are like, no, what do we do? At first... Some of this seems like it's maybe going to go somewhere cool. And then they pull the rug out from under you. Because what happens is Korag meets up with the Rangers and he's like, listen, I don't like this. This isn't the kind of, this isn't the evil that I wanted. I, I wanted Jeb Bush, not Donald Trump. And the Rangers are like, we don't really understand what difference it makes. Like, they're both fascists. And Korag's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Okay, I'm a never Trumper. All right. I'm not like Trump conservatives. And the Rangers are like, no, seriously, like it, it, this is the, the difference is meaningless to us. What's your point? And Korag's like, okay, my point is that I'll help you get to the gods of magic and maybe they will reverse this decision. And uh, the Rangers are like, okay, that sounds good. So they go to the gods of magic. There's some, there's like some trials and stuff. That, that fight scene where they're fighting with no Ranger powers and no magic. And just having to, like, battle these dudes in the, like, netherworld was, like, the coolest part of this trilogy, probably. We'll say that. It's, like, this very cool, like, fight in, like, this sandy area where it's raining. Although, one issue they have is that it wasn't raining for all of the shots in equal amounts. So, during Chip's scenes, it's, like, barely wet. And during Nick's scenes, it's, like, pouring rain. And they just intermix these things freely. <laughs> um... <laughs> But uh, aside from that, it was still very pog. And they get yep. to the gods of magic, and the gods of magic are like, um, hmm, let's think about this. No, we're not going to reverse the decision. Uh, I will quickly say the gods of magic were kind of cool, kind of Final Fantasy-ish. At this point, I was sincerely hopeful about what part three would hold. Like, I... I was on the fence been, as well. Some of it had been kind of okay up till now so i was like maybe part three will kind of pay off with the gods turning them down like maybe the rangers will really have to solve this problem in a creative way that really tests them instead of them just like getting the gods to solve it for them wrong they go back to briarwood and they see that uh necroli is like beating up toby and people because they want to listen to music and they're like we gotta save the music. It doesn't matter if we have powers, guys. 
and they go and they start fighting. And the gods of magic are like, oh, dang, you know what? We were wrong. These rangers, let's give them back the good magic. It's like the Democrats asking for Trump's <laughs> Twitter ban during primary season. And then fast fast forward to post insurrection, and then Facebook and Twitter and everybody else is like, you know, maybe we should have banned Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> also, also, it is around this time that one of the characters, I think Madison, maybe or maybe Vita, comments on the world not having color. So, like, the black and white filming is no longer just a stylistic thing. It's actually how the world is. I love it. I loved it so much. It was so cheesy. When she was talking about, when she was talking about it, I was like, yeah, let's go. Pleasantville. <laughs> love it. Poggy. At the end, the Rangers get their legendary powers. I saw, that, I cool. saw that movie in, like middle school by the way as part of my education <laughs> oh no um but yeah so at the end the rangers get their legendary powers which are kind of cool actually very cool do they get no do they get this no they get the they get the legendary powers okay yeah they okay yeah so that, they get the legendary powers they're very cool the suits for the legendary powers are very cool this is like a great upgrade on an already great suit um Zord is a downgrade sword is Definitely kind of a downgrade. Especially, there's some good Zords this season. And some really bad Zords. And the contrast is very noticeable. Because a couple of the Zords look like some, like... Like... Gundam unicorn shit. And are pog as hell. And then a couple of the Zords look like some, like, Power Rangers Season 2 Chonky Boy CGI nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't like the fact that four of the rangers morph into one Zord. Like, I didn't understand that. When all the other Zords that they did, it was individual. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, that didn't make any sense to me. And, like, because of yeah. that, the, the, the Zord, it, it's not like the Zord action was bad when they were a singular Zord, but, like, so man, weird. like, it was, they had so much on screen personality when they were separate Zords. Yeah. Yeah. It looks cool, though. Still yeah. looks cool. Um, next up, we have Korag's Trial, which is an interesting episode. The villains have had a lot of internal drama, and this brings it to a head somewhat. Um, Imperius accuses Korag of treason and puts him on trial. And uh, it's kind of a clip show, but it's like that weird thing where sometimes Power Rangers clip shows are really good episodes for some reason. And like, uh, basically, it's like all of these memories of like times when Korag beat up the Power Rangers and times when the Rangers beat him up or times when he let them go or let them off the hook. And all these different things. And, like, Korag's been a little weird and inconsistent with that stuff. So this episode was actually really good because it helped finally bring all that together. Yeah. Um, this is the one where they put Korag on trial, right? Yeah, Korag's yeah, yeah. trial. Yeah. Yeah, Korag's trial is so pog. Um, like, I really enjoyed the fact that, like, they were addressing the accusations against each other in this episode. That's basically all of what it is. Just a court trial and, like, 
the villains arguing about why they don't succeed in killing the Power Rangers. Yeah. Um, and and then this interesting aspect too of like who's really evil here? Because at first it's like Imperius is like Korag. You're not, you're not evil, dude. Like, look at all this evidence. But then Korag is like, um, might I remind you, you were once the Knight Kalendor, and that we both served good at one time. What room do you have to talk? And it, it like, it kind of turns into an interesting back and forth with some of that. Yeah, <clears throat> and the fact that Necroli also was playing both sides in her <clears throat> human daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, weird scenes, too, I think. They turned uh, Necroli's daughter, Lily, into a uh, spider. Is this when that ha- that's? I think this is when that happens, yeah. Yeah. Curious, just, it's not very nice to Lily. Uh, yeah. And Necroli doesn't really do much to stick up for her little girl. It's kind of sad. Yeah. It's because she uses dark magic. So, but anyway, Korra's style, <laughs> pretty fucking cool episode overall and builds up to the season finale air apparent there's no <laughs> episodes after this <laughs> honestly you could end the show here it really maybe should have it's very complex <clears throat> because everything up to this has been pretty consistent Made sense overall. At times it's been a little jumbled, but it's worked for the most part. After this, it really goes off the rails. And it's unfortunate because I would say if the season ended here, I would be tempted to give it like an eight. Yeah. And I'm not gonna rate it quite that high. I'm not gonna rate it ultra low, but we'll get there. Um I, I agree too. I also would have probably been there had it ended here. So it's unfortunate, but heir apparent is unto itself. I mean, even if it ended here, like this wouldn't have been like the best finale ever, but it would have been okay. It's there's some really pog moments, but it's also kind of a mess. Let's dive into this a little bit because it's really important. Korag has been on trial. Um, also, there's this whole thing going on. So they want to bring back the master who is like their ultimate, the ultimate boss of the season. This actually kind of sucks because we don't get any development of the Master. We don't know what motivates this character. We don't know what makes the Master interesting or really even powerful. They really don't. They, all they ever do is allude to the fact that he's super strong and he shows up a couple of times and that's it. And that's a little unfortunate. But anyway, so they're supposed to be bringing back the Master. But Imperius is also kind of working this other side of things a bit. Because he's kind of planning to maybe take the master's place. It's all coming to a head now. And Imperius decides he's got to get Korag's good graces, basically. Like, he's got to get Korag to, to like him to pull off this plan. Even though yeah. that's almost impossible. But he's in this position where he can kind of... You know, it's kind of like when the bully, like, punches you down, but then offers you a hand and is like, ah, oh, come on, let's hang out. It's all good now. Like, Imperius kind of has that position of power of Korag right now. So he basically tries to take advantage of it and manipulate Korag. We get a lot of backstory here, finally, about who the old rangers were, what their battle was like, and, like, how this stuff pertains to the present. 
So we learned about Lianbo, who was Udana's husband, and was a knight, and trained Dagron, uh, and trained, like, all the rangers. And also, we learn about their long-lost son, Bowen. Also, sometime around this, or before this, Madison has one of her absolute worst moments when she, the, like, shy, sensitive girl, gives Nick a super hard time about having his childhood blanket. And then Nick's like, yeah, I'm an orphan. This is the only thing I have from my birth parents. And Madison's like... I blocked that out of my mind. Dang. Yeah. Just a garbage situation. Madison sucks. (laughs) Yeah, she does suck. Of all the characters, should not have been that character to just put her foot in it like that. And she just completely does. Is so rude. There's a lot of complicated stuff going on because... As we learn this backstory, we're also starting to learn some things about the present. Um, and, like, what's really going on there. It doesn't really come to much of a head in part one. Um, basically, what happens is, like, the rangers and Korag fight a lot. There's some bonding between the characters and stuff in between. And then Korag realizes that Imperius used uh, uh, an illegal spell. <laughs> <laughs> It's really the plot. There's forbidden spells. There's the forbidden jutsu. And the forbidden spells are also something that we see on the side of good as a thing. But that makes sense, okay? If you're like, yeah, we use good magic, it would make sense there are forbidden spells. What forbidden spells do you have? Straight out of Naruto. Hidden Leaf Village. (laughs) He's gonna learn the Shadow Clone Jutsu. Is bad. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 they get extra, like, right after this, it's like, you know how, like, Democrats, we support the Green New Deal, right? Or whatever. And you're like, bog. And that's like the first couple <clears throat> of episodes. And then, like, slowly it starts becoming like addendums and then addendums to addendums. And then, like, when we get to this point, they're just like throwing, like, I don't really actually support it. Uh, <laughs> I support access to green energy. Uh, you know, like, it's like, oh, wait, now we can't trust our candidates to all be the same. And then it it becomes this, like, weirdly, like, political thing. And not in, like, a fun way, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's in a very, like, boring way in its presentation. And I think that's what makes it awful to watch. So you can't be doing that because in bylaw section six, it says you can't. So the Rangers get drugged down to hell. Imperius takes their legend powers. They realize Lily is Necrolai's daughter. This is also when we first find out that Lily isn't necessarily into all the evil stuff in the same way. As her mom, because Lily's like, we're going to treat the prisoners fairly, right? And her mom is like writing slips to send them all to Guantanamo Bay. Like, huh? What'd you say, sweetie? (laughs) (laughs) Udana decides to use a forbidden spell to get into hell and save everybody, maybe. With everyone gathered around, like... 
I'm trying to explain this, but I, I have to be clear, there's so much plot convenience going on at a certain point here. It's like, there's this point where everyone's <laughs> gathered around in the pit, and suddenly, oh, Korag's Liambo. Yeah. That's the end of this, part one. This episode, like, it was a follow-up to, like, what could have been the Nick and Korag fight that we finally get, right? Yeah. And then... You're like, oh no, part two, no, what are you doing? Liambo, stop. So then part two turns into this big, crazy, incoherent thing where Liambo keeps turning back into Korag and back into himself and he's trying to fight the evil, but can he? And then like, uh, the master is summoned briefly, but just gets dunked in like a few seconds section, not very impressive. Um, and, uh, uh, Imperius and Daggeron have, like, a, a, a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 1 chain battle, um, where they're chained together, and Imperius cheats, uh, and Daggeron refuses to cheat because he's so noble, but he still wins. This is a lot going on. Nick and Korag finally face off, and, uh, they're able to get Leanbo to... Uh, turn back into himself. Um, they pulled the rug from that fight so damn hard. They pulled the rug. I want to be clear. They pulled the rug from like everything in this, like, like sort of this one. You're like, okay, no more rules bullshit. No more fucking none of this other shit. We're fighting and we're fighting to the death. And then it's all of a sudden like, no, you're my dad, dude. And he's like, you're my son, bro. And it's crazy. And they have like a dude's rock moment. They, they hug it out. And then Liambo is like, I know what I must do. Yeah. The Power Rangers get their legend power back. Liambo gets like trapped back in the underworld to seal the evil. But and... like the way they portray that is such a final way, right? But they pull every, by this point, I wasn't even surprised because they pull every punch this season. Every single time you think the Rangers are going to make a sacrifice. Never mind. There were no stakes. We lied. You could, you could cut, you could cut, splice in, like, like, deadass, like, splice in the end of this show right after this and, like, do, like, some sort of segmentation with it. Or whatever, or like, haha! Isn't it funny how Phineas is now a has a job there or whatever? You know, just do some bullshit editing like that. But like, splice the ending of the show in right after that moment, and it's over. Power Rangers Mystic Force done. Um, as much as uh, air parent, these two episodes weren't perfect. It still would have been a pretty solid conclusion to everything. With like leaving Nick as like. You're going to be like the new heir to like the sorcerer's school. You know, we learn that Udana and Leonbo are his parents. And Udana lost her magic because of using a forbidden spell. And she's going to go off and find Leonbo. We don't know that quite yet, but they should have just added that on. You know, just Udana just being like. Maybe do I'm one more go. episode that's an epilogue and like add that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Or just tack that scene in anywhere where Udana is just like, you know what? I believe my husband's out there somewhere. 
you know, it, somewhere in the, the realms of magic, and I'm going to go find him. And she just, that's her, that's her departure from the series. That would be fine, you know? And Claire's like, I'm going with you. Bam. That character's out of the way. Yeah. Or Claire just helps take over around Root Court. And it's just like, yep, let's run the magic school, guys. And the rangers are like, okay, let's run the magic school. End of, you know, uh, Ninja Storm, basically. Like, yeah. any of that would have worked. Instead, we have The Light, episode 24. Now, this episode is not like a, like a one. This isn't like a terrible episode. But it's so unnecessary. And it just begins this long arc of unnecessary, awful bullshit that is really forced and ham-fisted, even compared to anything that came before. Up till now, it's felt like y'all are doing an okay job of making your nods to traditional fairy tales and fantasy without, like, doing too much most of the time. And that kind of storytelling and all that. After this... It's just really forced garbage, very fantasy, very weird, and just mostly not good. And it really drags the season down to have this additional plot because we don't need it. But apparently it's the uh, I'm, I'm really bad at like bringing up dated pop culture references, but <laughs> like it's so much like Digimon Adventure season one. It is ridiculous. Where, like, the, the Digimon already got their mega forms, they already beat this, this ultra-powerful Digimon, and then all of a sudden, these mega-level Digimon that are, like, really good in their forms or whatever is a higher-tier mega or whatever can beat the shit out of them, and they need to be able to learn other moves and stuff. Yeah, or it actually makes me think of um, MMPR season one, where you have op uh, Operation Doomsday, or whatever exactly the name of those episodes were, where it's like Rita comes to Earth, like brings her palace to Earth, summons what is apparently one of the strongest Zords to ever exist to battle the Rangers, um, and like all this shit. And when they kick Rita off the planet, you're like, What's even going to happen after this, you know? And then they don't really go anywhere significant. Like, that's, like, the feeling that I had here, for There's sure. There's more finality in this, though, than MMPR. Towards There's the end. even more finality. There's even more finality. It doesn't end on something like Oyster Stew. <laughs> the light introduces the Ten Terrors, which are, like, these bosses that the Rangers just have to fight. Like, that's how it's established, basically. Like, we are the real bosses of the underworld. Now that you violated the underworld, you will answer to us, the real bosses of the underworld. Whoa! <laughs> but also, instead of just dunking the shit out of you like we obviously should, we're all about these weird fucking games. We have to play games. It's like Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, it's like those Yu-Gi-Oh arcs where they're playing different games. They go to What's-His-Face's Island. He's like, I made up a new game. That's this arc, except way, way worse, <laughs> even. Yeah, everybody's upset. I can't, like, honestly, I can't remember most of the plots to these. 
I'm not even. They're all kind of the same. They're all kind of the same. Where it's like the the Power Rangers face one of them every episode, and they each have their own like sort of gimmick that week. One and of then, them, like half isn't... of them, don't follow the rules and just get destroyed by the council because they didn't follow the rules, and the Rangers don't even defeat them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not very fun. I think more or less. I think the best parts about it are the action sequences. Oh, the battleizer even those episode. sometimes suck. The battleizer episode is also really good. But even the action sequences sometimes suck. For real, just a really bad continuation, all the way to the end. Yeah, uh, I think the and biggest again, highlight. Same, same gimmick over and over and over. Yeah. Also, Korag is back. <laughs> uh, so Korag is now uh, the protector of the master, who's sort of the just the allegory for the devil. Um, yeah, he's trying to keep the master sealed away. He's just the devil. Yeah, uh, he's just the devil. Yeah, literally, like just the devil. Like just yeah. different word. Um, so he sealed the devil within himself. So he's <clears throat> Korag. Because he's used a lot of dark magic. So he has to like encase himself in dark magic armor. And what eventually comes of it is A, we get the Battleizer episode in the Snow Prince, which introduces a new character to the show who shows up again in a later episode. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, uh, the Snow Prince introduces the Battleizer for Nick. Yeah. I really like this episode. It's fine. It's fine. Mm hmm. You want to talk about it? Not really. I would like to just try to get to the finale here. <laughs> you serious? There's not much to say. Even that one just follows the formula for the most part. Okay. So can we talk about Nick's battleizer form then? Yes. That, Nick's that they like is cool as shit. Yeah. So like he has three colors now. He's red, white, and blue. And and gold. And gold, yes. <laughs> Uh, mm -hmm. And he he's more Phoenixy, more so now than before. Yeah, and uh, so freaking cool, man. And they do like they hype him up big time because after that point, stunts whenever he's in the Battleizer. And you know that the Battleizer is a U.S. exclusive, so they were like filming a lot of footage of that. They were super proud of that. Yeah, I don't blame them. It yeah, was it was cool, cool shit. I, I I'll say it: the best Battleizer ever. Yeah, for sure. You know, assuming we're counting, like, things that are clearly battleizers. As a lead-up to the finale, I thought Daggeron would have a bigger part in these episodes. I just want to mention that, throw that out there. Daggeron kind of gets the treatment of the Sixth Ranger from in space in a way, where he shows up, he's kind of cool and interesting at first, and then he just sort of fades into the background and is like... You're like, what's Daggeron up to? And it's like, oh, he's fighting some other monster. And it's like, oh, okay. Okay. But I the difference is, is that he's cooler. He's cooler. <laughs> yeah, he's cooler. <laughs> but yeah, so we get to the oh, return. Yeah. So the so, monsters, yeah. the, the, the 10 monsters that were revived and fighting over each other because of rule checking and going to the referee and complaining to the mods. 
uh, have had it with Korag, who is the administrator of this website. You know what it is? We've been making D and D references, so let's make one more. Uh, the the terrors are like the worst D and D tables. That's what they are. Like they're the they're that group where every single one of them is rules lawyering and arguing. And you're like, can we just play the session? Because for the past hour, y'all have done nothing but consult tables and yell at each other. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite D and D experiences also uh, was an experience where I picked up the habit of doing a charisma check every single time I talk, and the DM promoted that, not me. <laughs> and then he was, and then like it came after a point, he kept going with the story, and I was like, charisma check, and he was like, no, it's fine, you you got it, you got it, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so skip ahead to the return. All these episodes of, you know, these nerds arguing over rules, taking turns playing games with the Rangers ends. What happened to here. religion? <laughs> what oh, happened she to loses religion? It. <laughs> so the return features basically Udana finally finding Limbo, who has been defeated. You know, the master is going to come back because of this. But she brings him back as Leonbo, like, as himself. And he's back. And he's cool as shit in his red uh, Korag costume. It's very cool. The teens are mean to Lily. Toby knows they're Power Rangers now. Matumbo doesn't want to be evil. And, like, meets up with Vita. And they kick a ball around and talk about how things could be better. <laughs> <laughs> and they think, they think that at the end of it, especially after Limbo becomes the Red Wolf Warrior, which is cool shit again. Oh my god, fantastic. Uh, so cool. Fucking so outfit. Cool. Oh my fucking I know god. it's I want just Korag, but red, so but, but Korag was don't already fucking so care. cool. Yeah, quite, like, <laughs> it's so pog. I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so good. Uh, after all that happens, um, unfortunately, they thought Matumbo was going to be able to prevent the Master from coming back, but Sculpin, one of the other terrors, stops him and kills him, or Seems like he kills him. Everybody comes back to life. I want to be clear about that. Everybody comes back to life. Every, at the at the end here, every single person comes back to life. Even Kennedy, characters like Matumbo. Kennedy, they set the stakes. I set them low. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so right at the end, everyone's feeling like, oh, maybe things are good. But then, oh, no. The master appears, and the master is like, get wrecked. I'm here to eat your fucking planet. And that leads us to Mystic Fate, the two-part finale, the actual finale. This is just so weird and confusing and unnecessary for the most part. Like, the the previous air apparent, like, sort of pseudo finale was a little confusing but not like this this opens with this whole thing of Liam Bo just like beating up Nick and being like you're not strong enough get get stronger son you're a wussy <laughs> just like 
just weird toxic masculinity shit. And then Nick turns evil briefly. It's so cool. So Nick turns <laughs> it's cool, but it's not explained at all. Yeah, it's but it's cool. Whiplash of how did we get here? You remember in evil. like Alright, but like you remember in like Harry Potter and like uh the Chamber of Secrets? Is that the second one with the basilisk? Yeah. And like he he like gets the uh the snake tongue and he gets to talk to the snake and you're like, oh snap, it's Harry Potter, you're gonna do evil magic, but they never really follow through with it. But yo, it's so fucking primo. He's like fucking launching magic missiles at shit <laughs> and stuff. He's like magic missile. You got the showdown with Liambo and Red Wolf armor, Nick and the, the Korag armor. All kinds of cool shit like that, but it's just not explained. They're just like, uh, Nick was probably tempted by evil. Let's move on. Here's the fights. And you're like, okay, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's better than the abyss of evil bullshit that we put up with in Ninja Storm. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, it's... <laughs> There's just a lot of nonsense in this finale. You do though. realize every single finale, I'm going to compare it to the Ninja Storm finale. Because, like, as much shit as we went through with, like, Wild Force or SPD or whatever, like, I don't think anything compares to, like, the chasm of evil and then, like, that whole nonsense. Uh, are you forgetting about Dino Thunder? <sighs> what was... Oh, yeah, I am forgetting about Dino Thunder. Freaking Barney Dino Thunder is less dinosaur. memorable, though. I, I will say, though, the one, for as much shit as I'm giving the Ninja Storm ending, it was pretty cool when they were all like, yeah, we're not only Power Rangers, we're ninjas too, dude. And they kind of have this moment here, too, in this finale. Yeah, they do that moment pretty much every Power Rangers finale since, like, in space. And honestly, like, it's fine. It's a fine trope for the show to have. It's funny um, when it's not fun. But I think that's the beauty yeah, of that, right? <laughs> they blow it really hard. Where like Wild Ninja Force? Storm, right, like Wild Force. Play <laughs> of the ground! I'm a furry. I'm Red Wild Ranger! Ugh. Fun times. It definitely felt like a please respect my fursona moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say Ninja Storm wasn't quite that bad. Dino Thunder, I think, is the worst we've seen in Disney so far. That Barney the Purple Dinosaur. Oh, uh, yeah, that was definitely final really villain bad. reveal. And then, like, their moment of, like, yeah, we're Power Rangers was absolutely just, like, the dorkiest yet. Like, <laughs> just, like, in an abandoned parking lot. And, like, none of you even like each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. Thousand percent. Um, this is not that bad. No, not by no means, not by any <laughs> means, but uh, yeah, a lot of stuff does go unexplained, but it's like the cool ass, like, shut the fuck up, it's a shonen type shit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but is it a little confusing, and does it eventually, like, drag on way too long? Yeah, does yeah. that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this whole 
struggle back and forth with Leonvo and Nick, and there's not a lot to say about it other than a lot of the fighting is very pog. Um, and of course, eventually, Nick kind of snaps out of it. Um, and again, like they just they don't really address any of this super well. It's just like Nick is suddenly just like, Papa, Papa, no, what have I done? You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird here. Even by the end, I'm just like, mm, dog, you you really don't need to be calling him dad like that. You're a grown ass man. Like I don't even call my father like that, dude. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very bizarre. Um, there's some other stuff going on too. Um. Black Lance is like the last of the ten terrors that's still fucking around. He's not that cool or interesting. He looks okay, but like by the standards of like character designs, like we've had a bunch of different mystical knight warrior things, and this is another one. Okay, great, C very cool thing to save for the end of the season. Yet another mystical knight. But, you know, that's what most of the other rangers are up to during some of this time. Um, also, there's this whole B-plot that they really want you to give a shit about for some reason, where Toby fires Phineas, and you just, you hate to see it on every level. It does. It's not good for Toby's character. It's not really good for Phineas's character, even if you it like it. It just him. never happened. Like, you, you could have cut happened. this part out. You could have cut this part out entirely especially with the way this finale ends yeah especially because the finale is literally like the town joins up with magical creatures and it's just like a half magical town now it basically becomes like the town in harry potter where you buy all your magical supplies like that's what briarwood becomes the the the, the diagon alley <laughs> area like that's that's the whole situation at the end of it so they could have just at the end at the very end just been like hey Phineas, now that our communities are coming together, why don't I go ahead and give you a job here? It's been clear that you want to work here. You know, like, something like that would have been better. Um, but instead, it's just, like, really weird and awkward because Phineas, Toby's right. Phineas has legitimately not been doing a very good job and scaring the shit out of the customers. But, like, and why did you so, hire him in the first place? Yeah, like, why did you hire him in the just first place is a whole... Cut it. Just cut. You know, this is one you leave on the cutting room floor. And yet, and yet, they try to make it this emotional thing of, like, Toby's discriminating against Phineas. Damn. Wow. Feel something in this moment. Like, they really try to sell it. It's very awkward. Um, yeah, because like they like zoom in on Phineas's face and stuff, and he looks all hurt and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, dog, it's like if I put a smiley face on a pencil and then broke it in half, right? You're going to feel a tinge of sadness, but it's kind of like, probably should have <laughs> never did that. Should have never put that smiley face on the pencil. Yeah. If you just broke a pencil and you didn't put that smiley face on it, I might be like, what's wrong with you? That was a perfectly good pencil, but I wouldn't be emotional about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah it is actually exactly like that i think i I think i nailed that metaphor there because it literally felt like toby just like put a smiley face on his pencil and was like writing with it and then like after a couple of days he was like i really just like hate this pencil or maybe he had a fit of rage one day he had a gamer moment and just snapped it in half and Um, by coincidence lily also had been like personifying the pencil and talking about it since he put the face on it. Oh, and so what she's, a pencil! She's just standing there horrified the, as, yeah. as, he just, as he just, with no warning at all, just suddenly breaks in half the pencil everyone's been calling Ralph and making jokes about. Oh, or, have you know? we mentioned the fact that Lily has probably taken this pencil with her home? Let's not let's not go there. Um. So. <laughs> oh right, we're not at that part of the finale. You think we're we making are this at, up? I mean, we are, but let's just let's. <laughs> you, not. the listener, think I'm making this up? Nah. <laughs> I mean, if they've seen the last couple episodes, even before the finale already, or the finale, then they know. Yeah. She I literally like it. the episode before this one is the one. I mean, we already talked about this, but it's like the one where she's like, "Oh my hunky man." Anyway um so <laughs> it's messed up um also i it's, know i already so emphasized this but a bunch of people die and come back and i don't want to spend a bunch of time talking about it because it's ultimately insignificant genji dies Liambo dies um daggeron dies uh they all come back um uh, even the you know in most inconsequential characters come back in the finale it's unreal so like they they really like there's no reason to spend a bunch of... There's, like, eight different scenes of some characters sacrificing themselves, but there's no reason to talk about any of it because it literally all gets retconned at the end. Yeah. It's it's kind of unfortunate. It feels like uh, Final Fantasy IV for my yeah. Final Fantasy heads out there where it's just, like, every scene... Like, you're, like, going up against God, and yet, like, by the end of the game, you're, like, going up against God or something like that. And like, you know, like typical JRPG stuff, right? You just go over big boss after big boss. And there's a lot of like, oh, this person died, dude. And then like, there's a lot of, haha, it was actually me. And oh, this one stipulation to this one spell that was conjured had a yeah, You had get a to the final chamber and it's like the, the goddess of light appears and she's like, I'm going to bring back all of your friends who sacrificed themselves to save the world. And you're like, oh, okay. Honestly, to Korag, the insurrection that happened with the villains was January 6th. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, no, this is a sacred chamber, dude. Come on. This is like a historic thing. And even bringing back the master over and over again gets old. I mean, the, the master president's is not, not gonna like. Oh, come on! The, the master of the house is not a well-established like villain. Yeah, um, no. too late. So it's not that cool. And then, just like in Dino Thunder, it's like they have to kill the master like three times. And by the last time they're fighting him, you're just like, who the fuck cares? Honestly, the best villain to do that, the only master, quote-unquote, villain, you know, the one that's like, I'm actually the one that's actually in control, dude. Like, the best one of those was actually Queen Banshira. Yeah. Because they do that plot a lot. 
They yeah. do a lot of like, oh, there's actually a master behind the the really strong person that pops up in the beginning. And the only one that I felt like really pulled it off was Queen Banshira. I would say still not perfect there, but like they really still tried to emphasize this idea that like when Queen Banshira shows up, shit's fucked. She and it is was so strong. And they really like they played that up from so many different angles. The heroes talked about it. The villains talked about it. You know what I mean? Like it was like everybody's like, yeah, Queen Banshira is power level off the charts. The master is just shrouded in mystery all the time. And so it's just like there isn't really that same feeling of like, oh, damn, the master. It, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't exist. And not only that, but Queen Banshira was still playing even when she wasn't an active influence in the beginning of the show. She was a passive influence in the beginning of the show all throughout. And then when she popped up on screen, even when she was encased in a tomb, she was still an active influence on what she what she could uh, actually do. And she was using her her words, essentially um, her diplomacy skills to basically like trick people into working for her and like make them like ultimately sacrifice themselves for her. Right. I just got to point out this dude is literally supposed to be Satan. Yeah, like the ultimate evil. Like the ultimate evil. Yeah. And he's not able to bring the terror of Queen Banshira. Or like Master Vile. Let's talk about Master Vile. Yeah, what a disappointment Master Vile was too. He was ultimately, but they still managed to like... He was still far more intimidating than this as like... I think the problem is so waiting like, in the wings. They just eventually kind of blew it with him and and like Master Vile was a case of like you jumped the hurdle, you cleared the hurdle and then like when you landed it, you just fell. And it and was, like you just let it all slip. Cuz like the way he left was awful. He's like, "Me, kind of I'm like out of here." Emperor Palpatine situation where like you realize that he's just an old guy you can throw in a tube. Yeah, you could just like literally like <laughs> just pick him up, pick him up, throw him in a, in a garbage chute, and he can't do anything. You can't. You really can't do that much to stop you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I I I think it was still cool though. Like as much like the the ultimate battle between Satan and Nick, I felt was great. I think the yeah. problem there's a couple of problems that I had with it. Um, ultimately, like I said, it would have been better if like Satan played more of a role or the master, as they say, would have played more of a role, um, throughout the show. Uh, but for a villain that only popped up in like two episodes, <laughs> he did a heck of a job, like being the final fantasy boss villain that he was meant to be. Right. Yeah. Um, he was certainly better than some of the others of this type, but still like. They keep doing this plot of the, oh, there's a real villain. You'll see. And, like, they need to, like, stop or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Xander shines in the last fight. Because in the last fight, uh, Nick basically uses up all of his powers that he's ever used pretty much 
up till then. And like they even do like I think they do the spirit. Do they do the spirit bomb approach last or do they do the spirit bomb before Nick doing like a an ultimate move? They do the spirit bomb approach last because Nick has his final moment of oh can i lead this team which is another thing that we did not need in the finale i just think uh, i i don't mind that uh i didn't mind that i didn't mind that scene I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna equate this scene to when goku was gonna give up against frieza like uh goku uh launched the spirit bomb Frieza ended up being still alive. Goku sensed it and was just like, I'm tired. I got to give up. And like, you know, you saw Chi Chi die and the world explode, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like it, for a conversation between because it's Power Rangers and it's not just Goku and like maybe a little bit of Gohan and a little bit of everybody else uh, because it's Power Rangers bringing the rest of the team in on that drama, I felt was great. The problem was, was that I don't feel like Nick's response to Xander was necessarily that good. Yeah. And warranted the spirit bomb moment. Like he was definitely like, I don't know what I should do. I've like, we've exhausted all of our options. And like Xander has to be like, yo, you need to dig within yourself because like, bro, you're the main character here. See, I'm not. I like, I'm just Chandler Bing. Cause like, if it had really, if Nick had really just been like, guys, I don't know what to do. I feel like we're running out of options. And that had been the entirety of the scene. It would have worked perfectly. And to an extent, that's why the scene does kind of work. All I'm saying is what annoys me is that they're still pulling out the card a little bit in this scene of Nick being like, am I cut out to be a leader? And it's like, dude, this is the finale. Honestly, I think the problem with this scene was that uh, Nick was too Nick was too cool for school. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I think he was probably in his head thinking like, I need to still be the cool guy in front of my friends, but I need to let them in on the fact that I am literally like sweating. Like I am like sweating out the ass. I guess right yeah, that's now. really what that's really, you know? it comes off like in the end, just so toxic masculinity. Cause Nick's like, Listen, I don't want to let anybody in, and I'm definitely not having any problems, but also, I'm running away because I have a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, <laughs> Nick still... I, I don't think it was as exaggerated as that, but I think <laughs> Nick still suffered a bit from, like, I can't, like, I can't... I have to be the calm, collected one because I am the leader here, and they're all depending on me. Everyone is depending on me in this moment. So I have to look cool. But really what would have drove that scene home was like if he actually was just like Xander guys, I, I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out, you know, and let us in. Right. You know, Zan like Nick, come on. Just let us a little bit in. We love it, you, man. Especially <laughs> you know? it feels like a step back from the false finale, Nick. Like Nick in the false finale was doing a slightly better job of like talking about his feelings. <laughs> I think it, it was because like, Nick, but that was because Nick was kind of left at a point that was unresolved, you know, like I think if this season, if it had ended, I'm letting you know right now, and I, I think I've like had enough time to like pull this thought a little bit, but I think if the season had ended it where we wanted to end it, 
it would have needed a second season. It would have actually needed to be like a like a in space lost galaxy approach because Nick wasn't a fully realized character. And I think the problem was was that because they kept pulling the rug so many freaking times only to introduce more villains, only to get to this moment of again being uncertain after you already had a certainty before is frustrating. And exactly. I understand that. Yeah. Um, the scene itself is okay. But I think, like it, I think unfortunately it we did to make it. We did need to do this, you know? Yeah, well, like way, the scene itself is okay. The actors pull it off, like, to be clear. You know, like, everybody sells it in that scene. But, Yeah. So, uh, you know, but so they get their confidence. They do the spirit bomb. Everyone in town is like, we believe in magic. All the creatures of the forest come out. We believe in magic. Ah, the masters. Ah, defeated. We get like basically a bunch of conclusion after this. Um, Hell yeah. And some of it's kind of fun. (laughs) Let's go. Let's start with the conclusions. Come on. Give it so, to me, Kennedy. What happens? As I mentioned before, Briarwood and the Magical Forest just basically decide to merge and become one. So the people of the Magical Forest and Briarwood, they all embrace the same systems. The Magical Forest creatures decide, okay, I guess we'll give in to capitalism and uh, the people of Briarwood re- decide, hey, you know, in exchange, we're going to be less discriminatory. Actually, also, we're going to give you free headphones. <laughs> and free headphones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll give you some Meze 99 classics in solidarity. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it is like a fun, actually, it is like a really fun thing, like, Everybody's like partying at the Rock Porium together. A lot of your favorite characters are there. Uh, Toby is uh, dating Necroli, who, uh, when she was transformed to good, massive just basically W, became like a like a Blade character. Massive W. Yeah, uh, and good it's for just him. Very yeah, very hot. You know, Toby. Yeah, Toby gets a massive win at the end. Uh, also, it's clear that the record store is more popular than ever. So, you know, he's going to be in business for several more years before the collapse of the the record No, he's going to be in business for literally, like, nine months. <laughs> 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 and then all of a sudden, he's going to be like, I got to bust some unions. <laughs> Time to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, boys. Oh, uh, man. Okay. <laughs> How unfortunate, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so unfortunate. Uh, Toby is a little too libertarian Bri- to be trusted. Briarwood goes under. All of the record stores go out of business in 2008 <laughs> financial collapse. <laughs> Live it up while you still can. Live it up while you still can. At least you guys got magic. You know, that would be a pretty cool storyline where, like, the financial collapse of 08 leads for, like, the magical races of Briarwood to like institute socialism. Be like, hey, we actually know a better way of government. You guys should try this. And then we get the independent republic of Briarwood. Yeah. 
That would be interesting. (laughs) There's the places. Honestly, like, I kind of wish Mystic Force was of the era where they had Super Mystic Force after. Yeah. You know? This this is what that season needed. Yeah. Like, it really needed a Super Mystic Force. Yeah. Which is ironic because they drag out. They should have ended this season earlier and then done Super Mystic Force is what they should have done. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um. So Phineas um, gets his job so back. Phineas gets his job back. Which means they could have completely erased that part. Lily and Phineas are happy together. Oh, whatever. they're 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 together. Yeah, they're it's together. explored. It's Some of those explored. dynamics are explored. Too explored. Sorry, Phineas depresses me. Okay, so remember how, like, Madison was shitting on Nick for the the baby blanket that he still keeps? Oh, buddy. If you remembered that nugget of knowledge, this finale is, like, a 10 out of 10. This is the best conclusion to Power Rangers of all time. This is just some... This is just some shit right here. This is some um, Speaking of some characters... Pino. Speaking of some characters that didn't learn anything over the course of this season, Madison, Madison. <laughs> comes out Bit to of no see growth. Nick. And Nick's packing up his motorcycle. And she's like, so you taking off for a while? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go see my adopted parents and, you know, explain what's been going on since I took off to them and tell them all these things about me because there's so much they need to know and you know they did raise me and they're important to me basically and she's like oh okay all right, well are you coming back after to Briarwood and he's like I don't know is there a reason I should come back <laughs> absolute player dude and, oh my god and, 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 and totally Madison is shit. like just starts like spaghetti starts coming out of her pockets. Knees weak, arms are heavy. Vomit <laughs> is on her sweater already. Mom spaghetti. I don't understand. It's literally she's been horny for him since the first episode. She's supposedly learned some lessons about shyness, except they clearly never stick. Like. She had enough bravery to, like, diss him on his baby blanket, but not enough bravery to ask him out by the end of your season where, like, he literally beat the devil. And it's not it's not an issue of the season itself not allowing it because people are allowed to be horny and date like. Yeah, like they all work together for what, 32 episodes? Yeah, and, and like between, you couldn't by episode thirty-two, you didn't work up enough bravery to ask him out. Between working at the record store together and being at Power Ranger together and studying magic together, how many hundreds of hours have you hung out? You know him, like you legitimately know him. You know what I'm saying? Like you and know his knows character, you and it's clear that he does. And, like, he's perfectly okay with you kissing a frog on national television. He's okay with who you are. He's like, you know what? That's not necessarily the worst thing. 
Like, anybody who says that about you after you were filmed on television kissing a frog, you should be like... He loves you. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. clear his feelings, you know? And he's, like, allowing you to, like, get it out because you're the one that brought it up. And then what does she do? She fucking stumbles all over it. And she's like, oh, well, the, 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 there's, there's lots of people here who care about you. There's Toby and Phineas and a frog in the woods and Lily and Xander and Chip and Vita. And he's like, yeah, I, I all right, go on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And she's like, well, and, uh. I guess I kind of like you as maybe more than a friend a little bit, maybe. And it's just I don't like, even oh think she even leans to god. that. God. Yeah. Oh my god. So bad. <laughs> but kind of funny. And then Nick just pulls out the baby blanket and hands it to her. <laughs> and he's like Hang on to this for me. And it's like a fucking CW show. <laughs> and he goes off. And rides off on his motorcycle. And then, who is he meeting up with? Oh, shit. It's fucking Udana and Leobo. And they're decked out as if as if they are just old-timey writers that have been doing this their entire lives. Like, those people that you meet that just have, like, eight Harleys in their driveway and no cars, and they're both in their, like, late 50s, but they still, like, refuse to even consider doing anything but ride every day even <laughs> when there's ice on the road. Like, that's that's the vibe <laughs> when he pulls up with them. It's so amazing. It's Kino. <laughs> I have never seen such excellence in a very, very long time. Oh, it's special, honestly. It is. Like, the, the core, I don't think anyone realizes, like, you have to watch it to, like, really, like, just I'm understand. I'm here. I'm generally clear that, you know, this, when we say a 10, we mean a Power Rangers 10, which sometimes Grav uh, uh, pushes back on a little bit. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I just want to say, like, this really is like a, 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 a pretty cinematically excellent scene by any standards. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> you could have put this in like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, Honestly, this is like that. It has the vibe of, <laughs> of when uh, in Twin Peaks, I can't even think of the character's name right now, but there's the character who rides the, the teenager who rides the motorcycle and he rides off at one point. Um, and like leaves town for a little bit to like find himself and gets into some weird adventures. And it has this the vibe of when he takes off like a hundred percent. It's really amazing. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Uh, that the the coordination between like where she fumbles it and you're like infuriated by it, especially if you've watched the entire season up to that point. Uh, and then like he just goes here. Here's my baby blanket. Take this and then just leaves. Gives her no answer at all. 
And like, you don't even know if he really cherish like he he cherishes that baby blanket. So like, it is an indicator of endearment. But also, it could be possible that he might not cherish that baby blanket anymore because he's, he's got literally his riding now. off with the missing parents. The whole he's thing evolved about the, as a character, right? The whole thing about the blanket before uh, was that it was the only thing that he had from his uh, original birth parents, you know. And so he's always lived with adopted parents. He loves them. He, you know, they're his family. They don't go into that a lot, but he is clear about that the few times that they talk about that, you know, that like his adopted parents are his parents. Um, but he does have this one keepsake of his birth parents. But now he's friends with his birth parents. He's about to ride off with them. They're going to meet his adopted parents. Like, he may not have that same sentimental attachment to that blanket. He might be just dumping that off. Like, yeah, I have my actual parents now. It's fine. Like, I can just hang out with them. (laughs) Just, ooh, excellent. I don't need the blanket anymore Mm. to remind me of these people. I'm going on a motorcycle trip with them. It it, is funny to interpret it that way. (laughs) It is the most dudes rock thing I have seen. Like in a very like in a television show, I don't, I don't, it's unmatched in a television show format. To be honest with you, especially for that age range. Oh my god, incredible! Dino Thunder would never, never. Like I love the Greenpeace episode from Dino <laughs> Thunder, and like this, this is like the gulf between like All Might and Endeavor. You know, like the difference between being number one and number two. And number one is definitely this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so good. So <laughs> Madison comes into the record store where everyone else is partying, living it up, telling stories of their This adventure. is the DLC. This is Shivering Isles to my oblivion. <laughs> Madison comes in and Vita is DJing with Matumbo and looks over and uh and she has pink hair. She's got pink hair. She's embraced the pink. Yeah. Um, uh she looks over at uh Madison and kind of gives her a look like, "Huh?" Madison unable to come over, use her words, something like that. Just sheepishly pulls out the baby blanket like, eh. He gave me a promise ring. Wild. <sighs> I'm gonna be honest with you. Like she, uh, Vita's like, oh shucks. Well, you know, he'll probably come back <laughs> or something like that. But like, uh, there's a scene where they're all like kind of dancing. Like she's talking. Like she's talking. At this point, like Madison, Vita knows Madison's feelings and has known Madison's feelings this whole time. Vita has spent more time with Nick and there is more tension between Nick and Vita than there is with Nick and Madison. Far more visible on-screen tension. There's a handful of scenes between Nick and Madison um, over the course of the entire season, whereas Nick and Vita really seems like there's something going on there a lot. Yeah. Like, no question. No question. And in another, I think another aspect about it too is that you gotta you gotta think to yourself like, 
if Madison was the supposed love interest, why wasn't more screen time given to Madison and Nick? Because you can just invent that footage. You don't need to always correlate it with what necessarily is going on in the Sentai, right? Literally, Dino yeah, Thunder, that, can, that can be completely unrelated. We've seen this in the Power Rangers many times. Yeah, that that really says something. So I think to me, that leads me to believe that there's something more likely going on with Vita and Vita is just not telling Madison about it. Like, Which again, kind of adds to the excellence of this whole entire segment. So weird. Yeah. Uh, so the show signs out with like, Claire doing an invisibility spell and then the book of magic literally says the end and like we're really going there. Um uh, all right, so let's get into ranger rankings and review. <laughs> okay. Madison. I'm wavering on whether she's a D or a C. She's D. She's probably high D because although like oh not I really hated that kiss. I think, like, even if you take the, the kiss on the, the, the frog scene, it's still uh, it's still not very good. Um, she just didn't have it. Like, we kept wanting. We, we actively search for, like, people's solo standout episodes. So we make sure to pay extra attention to that character when those episodes come on. And then, like, a lot of those episodes that we thought were like that weren't because... It was like, this is a Madison episode. It was like, is this a Madison episode? Is it? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe it'll fool us into like focusing on Madison for like the first two minutes and then won't come back to her. Uh, definitely D tier. Um, she also like retcons her whole like her liking frogs because like if she hated she at one episode, I think towards the end, she like went against the frog. She's like, I hate frogs. I'm like, you literally kissed a frog. Literally kissed a frog. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. She's D tier. It's not entirely her fault in the sense that like her character is just treated badly by a lot of the scripts, by a lot of the other characters and stuff. But there's just never a redeeming moment. So, yeah, high D maybe, but D. Udana, C. Liambo also. C. Well, yeah. I They're think these. I think. Yeah. I think Liambo actually yeah. just barely. No, actually, no, no, I'm going to take this back. Udana just barely edges out Liambo. Udana has some great moments as a character that help to redeem the many times that she's like a little bit too much. Like, uh, what was the horrible mentor when Zora. The one from appeared? Turbo? I don't yeah. even remember her name. Yeah, the one from Turbo. Yeah. She definitely reminds me of that, but she is more useful. I think the problem with Udana is, is that she doesn't treat Claire well, even when she acknowledges that Claire uh, is actually a great magician, just, you know, like, unconventionally, right? She still kind of treats Claire like Claire doesn't know anything about the world. Um, yeah, and, and Claire is like great. 20. Claire is like 28. You know, like, like Claire is not, not that young. Her relationship to Nick is very weird. Uh, yes. That I, I have to mention that. Uh, mm -hmm. she, she is very, uh, quotations sus with Nick. And, and like, I know better. That's why he ultimately also falls in here. 
Yeah, Leonbo, but Leonbo looks cool. Yeah, Leonbo's like a C. Leonbo doesn't get much time. I don't really consider him too much of a ranger. But, you know, then again, Phantom Ranger only had a couple episodes too, and we still put him on the list. Um, so, yeah, Leonbo's kind of like a C, low C. I would say lower than Udana. He's still a cool yeah. ranger. He's better than... He's better than Madison. Yeah. So I put him in low C. You have to be Matt. You have to be better than Madison to be in C tier. Pretty much. Which is actually kind of a low bar, but Madison does have her moments where she's not completely the worst person in the world. Um, like she does have some moments where she's like a plus, you know. But uh, for the most part, she's very neutral, just not very standoutish. Yeah. Daggeron. I'm thinking B tier. Uh, yeah, I like Daggeron. Uh, he what has puts his him... moments where he's a, he's a crappy mentor that really drag him down. Where he could have he... went so high. Yeah. He... His in-person moments are great. His ranger moments are great. His mentor moments are bad. So bad. Occasionally... He pulls it out in those scenes, but he has so many of them, and ninety nine percent of them are horrible. He trained so Chip. Like, it didn't. Nothing changed with Chip. Yeah. Um, he trained with Nick. Nick. He ended up just being like Nick's gonna have to train himself. Yeah, he stopped um, wanting to hang out with Nick. <laughs> and then pretty much, I think the rest of the Rangers didn't really develop any new powers under Daggeron either, which kind of sucked. And he just kind of starts fucking off a lot. It's like he kind of ends up being like Tommy in, in Dino Thunder, where it's like the Rangers are like fighting some monster and they're like, hey, where's Daggeron? And they call Udana and they're like, hey, we're fighting a monster. Is Daggeron around? And, and she's like, oh, Daggeron's fighting a different monster. And they're like, oh. I think well, more like in space. Okay. Was it? What, I thought it was more like in space, where it was kind of like, hey, we need your help. And he's like, okay, I'm on my way. And he rolls up. Out of nowhere. But a lot of times... No, I thought it was kind of like Dino Thunder because a lot of time it's like Daggeron's busy with something else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And, like, that was the oh. Tommy thing where it'd be like... They'd be like... The, the Rangers would be in the Zord or something and Tommy would be like, while you're in the Zord, I'm going to be in the caves fighting this other villain lieutenant in a hand-to-hand -hand fight. And they'd be like, oh, oh, okay. Is that what's... Important, I guess. Well, no, I'm actually that does sound kind of important. Well, do you know what? Whatever, I guess that is what fine. Okay, all right, bye. And like that was that was like the dagger on thing a lot. And I think that also drags him down a bit, unfortunately, towards the end where it's just like I think that drags him down to so I think the mentor stuff drags him down. And uh, I, th I do, I do gotta agree that the whole the platinum ranger I think is more like his style where he was just kind of like, I'm off to do his own thing. But I don't think that's necessarily a negative because you could play that up for a positive. I, I was kind of neutral on that. What I wasn't neutral on was the Zord. I think if he had a kick-ass Zord, it would have made those sequences a lot better. The problem was is that we yeah. cut to Daggeron Zord and Daggeron Zord looks bad. So unfortunately, that's screen time, you know, on Daggeron. So, and his ability to pilot his Zord. So... Like because but also, like his talk like about... his like bridge like his like not bridge uh his railroad attack gets like swiped all the time it almost never works yeah it never works we also need to talk about the fact that the yes, actor who plays Daggeron in the American footage is really good but also 
a lot of it relies on his facial expressions and his body language and things like that. And when he's just dubbing lines over the Sentai footage, they give him kind of bland lines and he cannot deliver them in the same kind of way that he can with his actual presence. He's not, he, he, he was yeah. not as good at that as some of the other. His mic people. skills aren't good. <laughs> and, and, uh, and also like it just, yeah, it, there was just like this read across thing. And so that was another part of the problem is when you're emphasizing Daggeron's off fighting a lot, then you're seeing mostly Sentai footage of him. That's a letdown because the American footage actor for Daggeron was incredible. Yeah, like his relationship with the other characters is still like on a personal level, not on a mentor level. It's still really good. His relationship with Genji is awesome. His He's ranger funny. form is awesome. His He's mystic form. Yeah, his mystic yeah. form. The one where he him he himself turns into like a devilish creature. Freaking very cool interesting. Very cool. It, Pose, magical source, mystic force, or whatever. He punches a ticket to heaven. Like that stuff is cool. It's so cool. He's a big, strong boy. He sounds great, you know. Um, I like him a lot. It really makes him punch way above where he would normally be like kind of like a C character. But I think his charisma really shows through everything and punches his um punches him up to B tier. Uh, for me, all the rest of them are A tier, and if I had to rank them, I think it would be like so for me. Xander's at the top. Just an incredible... We'll get into it, but you cannot contain this man. <laughs> <laughs> um, then it's like Nick and Chip are probably about tied for me. And then Vita just below that. Um, so... I love Vita a lot, but they do not give her enough chances to shine. Um, they really, really neglect her as a character. They don't develop a lot of her personal motivations or aspirations as much as the other characters, uh, especially in like the second half of the season, where they just kind of somewhat forget that she exists a lot, and then are like, oh yeah, and Vita's here. I think um, everybody suffers from that problem, though. Except everybody suffers from that to some extent, but I think Vita really gets neglected after a certain point. Like, she shines so much early on, and then it's like, where'd she go? But um, Chip and Vita frequently make a very good team in a lot of scenes, and it's clear that the Sentai footage also operated this way to some extent, and they work with that well. And so you have this yellow-pink team-up going on in the Sentai footage, and you know, just with Chip and Vita. And, and those scenes are still good all the way through, and both of them shine in it. Chip beats Vita out just a tiny bit for me because I really like the fact that we got a mystery solver that gets treated with dignity, unlike last season. And I think that although, again, it kind of falls off after a certain point and Chip doesn't get enough love, it works so well when it works. And he's such like a good, enthusiastic character to be the one that kind of, you know, always jumps in with the like, yeah, this is some magical shit. Let's figure it out. I bet unicorns are real. You know, like that's a really fun dynamic that honestly consistently made the show more watchable. Nick, I love a lot, but unfortunately he just gets so much weird shit 
that drags him down for me. That it's hard to love him as much as I want to, even though he's really just amazing on a lot of different levels and one of the, <laughs> best, one of the best Red Rangers pretty much ever. One of the um, best posters ever. <laughs> Xander, almost an S tier. Needed more screen time. Needed a little more screen time to get there. But my if Xander goodness, had one more standout episode, Xander would have been S tier. Yeah, they needed they, but I think it was purposeful, hella purposeful. They needed to contain his power level. He, if he had one more ultra standout episode, then he would have dominated the show so much it would have felt lopsided. Yeah, like the only thing that would have probably came close would be like Nick's uh, uh, <laughs> Tarantino moment at the end. But yeah. like literally, Xander would have been like straight shot to the S tier, baby. Yeah, Xander is unbelievably powerful, and also just one of the most enjoyable characters to watch consistently throughout the season. You know, if you're looking for something to get you through a slightly dull episode, Xander's scenes might be the thing to do it in some of those episodes because he's funny, the actor's great. He's also kind of thoughtful sometimes. He's interesting. And he's a badass at various times. And he, le he learns and grows more than anybody. Anybody in this season. Xander starts out with so many flaws. And he learns to like overcome or <laughs> at least like work with all of his flaws. Uh, period. Like he's, he literally... He, he goes through so much self-actualization and growth. It's wild. Nobody comes close in that regard. So there's just so much to like about him. Um, he just needed a little more screen time because after a certain point, it's just kind of like, where is Xander? What's he doing? Is he, is he up to anything interesting? Uh, we're not going to find out. No, too bad. See, I disagree on a couple of points. Um, I think Chip flamed out after... Strange Stranger Within, which was the uh, episodes where uh, he was directly tied with Vita on their fates. Basically, were tied on those mm -hmm. episodes, right? And there was a couple of other um, plots previous. Uh, there was like one other plot previous to that where it was another Vita centric plot where Chip also joined in. I feel like Vita could have also like was kind of like the secret Red Ranger too, almost. At certain points of the show, um, Vita, I don't think flamed out after heir apparent. I think the problem is, is that her scenes, she didn't have another standout episode after that. And her scenes were directly tied from instead of her and Chip to her and Nick. Because that's when her and Nick started interacting more because Nick was like, I don't know what to do. Everybody's expecting so much of me. And Vita is just like, homie, like the world is in danger. Get in the damn suit, you know, <laughs> like just get in the damn Ava. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so I, I think there was definitely that aspect of it all. Um, so I definitely I, I would put Chip at A. If you took the filler episode, he's definitely in B. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God, that was bad. But uh, he had one other standout moment, which uh, was him admitting that he was a gamer. Yeah, and I was like, that was a Kennedy moment right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was just a lot of fun.
but unfortunately, like I said, Chip just uh, wasn't really given any screen time after Era Parent. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think for me it goes Chip, Vita. Yeah, it's Nick then Xander. So like Xander, I would say is like Shaggy, or, or sorry, is like a uh, Xander. I would say is like Chandler Bing with like Shaggy power levels. Oh my god, he's he's literally Ultra Instinct Shaggy. Yeah, yeah, that's Xander. And like they purposefully like when they cut to Xander, Xander has to like he gets one line and he sells that line, but they're like, shut the fuck up, shut your damn fucking mouth, okay? You are not the leader of the team. <laughs> like <laughs> Xander is literally the only person. Who can like sit Nick down and put him in check and literally does in a couple of scenes. Yeah, like Xander, ha they have to contain Xander's power level. He is too strong. Too strong. <laughs> Way too strong. Um, Nick, honestly, had they just gave me the payoff, either end it at Air Apparent and give me a season two or give me the payoff against Liambo. Um he should have killed Liambo. Had or, he Yeah, or something. Yeah, there was definitely like way too much punch pulling with a lot of his storylines. And also there was this mismatch of Nick is the chosen one versus the reality of like the other team like needing to lead a lot and like that not really being well acknowledged and that just kind of like Making this awkwardness where in some of the final episodes, Nick has a ton of ego. And then in other episodes, he's like a sniveling baby who's like, I can't lead. And it's just like, get it together with the, the writing <laughs> here. Like, pick, pick a lane, you know? <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know. There, there's a couple other things like his fam Like I said, his family uh, relationships is very sus he really he really needed to kill liambo for the for the expansion arc to really work honestly uh yeah. at least at the very least what would have made it all worth it is if he had killed him when he was evil uh yeah. that would have been incredible and then still ending it with him riding off with just udana would have made for I, this season would have probably been the best season of all time, honestly. If the finale was like that, I would have, I would have probably been like, you know what, damn, they went there, you know, like it had, it truly had the potential of of something much greater that they they didn't realize, um, and unfortunately, that results with Nick getting a tier. I think he's still high a tier. Like he's kind of like at Wes, I would say I would equate him with Wes. Um, one last note before we get off of Ranger rankings is that I would like to say that like part part I I am also I would say I'm partly biased towards Nick too, as I am partly biased towards Chip, and I'm sure you are the same. <laughs> uh, I I think like I see myself in Nick a lot, <laughs> and I've definitely been like Nick, especially towards the end. <laughs> at a certain part of my life, you know, I really feel like, you know, had I been like a 20 something year old or whatever, tw uh, early 20 year old around the time of this and 
when an audition for Power Rangers, Nick would have probably been me and lived that life. So I feel complete in that. <laughs> and I also see Kennedy in Chip a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, Chip's enthusiasm for being a Yellow Ranger and like just being happy to to have powers like that and be able to like help people genuinely, you know, mm -hmm. uh, really adds to Chip's character. Um, he, he really cares about the people a little bit more than the others. And no one's ultra selfish here, you know, but, yeah. but Chip really makes sure to emphasize that a little bit more so than the others. And, and that does mean something. And he loves his color. Yes. Like, he's like, I love yellow, you know? <laughs> All right. Kick-ass color. Season review. Would you like to go first or would you like me? I can go first. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm teetering on, I think it's like about a 6.5. It's tough because if they had ended it after Air Apparent, I would have been tended to give it like an 8. Yeah. But a lot of the end stuff really drug it down. Um, a lot of the characters were not as good towards the end as we keep indicating. Um, and again, it's not like all this extra screen time on Nick and shit was better, right? It was like Nick was also just kind of like floundering as a character a lot in these final 10 episodes. And Udana was floundering as a character a lot. And Liam Bo's floundering as a character a lot. And the villains don't make any sense. And a lot of the other characters are barely around. For some reason, we're seeing a ton of Lily and Phineas. Like, just come on. That, all of that drug it down considerably. <laughs> right. But it's still a pretty good season. There's a lot to like here. So I, I'm not going to rate it ultra low. It's not like a five. I, at, at moments, I was like, is this like a four or a five? But then I was like, no, it's not. There's so I don't think I ever I don't think I ever went that low. I think I might have went to like a five maybe in my head. But I was like well aware of like just how much I enjoyed. Because I think I watched the first like 12 episodes again before we continued watching it together. And I was like, man, like the first 12 episodes do be hitting. Yeah. <laughs> Especially uh, since like our best and worst like literally all takes place in the first 15 episodes of the season. Uh I think it's fascinating, you know, that they really built this season up in a new and different direction. They made it fun. They made it feel kind of like old Power Rangers. Rita Repulsa's in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh for for a moment. Uh, you know, there's just, there's a lot of very neat stuff that I would recommend this to someone overall, especially like an abridged version of it. Um, I just think that they just blew it with some of this stuff and it sucks because I think this is one of the highest discrepancies in how I felt about Rangers versus the season as a whole. I love a lot of these characters a lot. I think these are some of the best Rangers we've seen. But the season as a whole is not greater than the sum of its parts in this instance. Right. Um, so I'm going to agree. I'm going to give it actually a 6.5. I think I've marinated on it a bit. And I came out the other end as thinking of this season as like a dark horse. Uh, this is like Zack Snyder's Harry Potter. 
<laughs> it's like this weird like <laughs> in between of like you gave Zack Snyder the ability to make a television show uh, for kids about magic and you were like has to have Power Rangers and like maybe that was like his agreement he's like I'll only do this if it has the Power Rangers in it or something you know it definitely feels that way uh, there's a lot of like uh, liberal stuff in it that kind of puts it down a bit for me. Uh, there's a lot of like the indiv individualization of a lot of like what would be, you know, leftist uh, sort of words, right? Like mm -hmm. compassion and, you know, friendship and stuff like that. I think when you get into that stuff, you kind of get that feeling of the Obama era coming, right? You definitely yeah. do feel that way. Um, but I think ultimately, I come out the other end feeling like I love this season. I think even if you fix all of this, all of the flaws that's with it, you still only maybe get an eight. Yeah. And the reason why is because of the plot structure. There's an ABC plot structure. And what ends up happening is, is that the C, which is generally the Phineas plot, ends up being bad enough to drag the episode down, right? Like, how many episodes have we watched that could have been, like, sh shit, how many episodes that we could have watched could have been tens here and were dragged down by the Phineas plot? Right. It happens so often. Or whatever the C plot is, because it just gets confusing no matter what a lot of the time. As I say, sometimes when it's Claire or someone else, it's still, even if it's a character that's more likable, it still ends up dragging the episode down because they just try to cram so much in. And yeah, there's no need. Confusing. And two it, plots. Yeah. You just need two plots. So I think yeah. even if you like cut out a lot of the flaws, you still get an eight out of ten. I, um, I think also the plot convenience and the pulling of punches is something that it would be hard to rip out of this season without changing it completely, but also kind of drags it down. Um there's way too it would have needed to it, for us to have rated it like an eight, it would have needed to end it at air apparent. Like yeah. we said earlier, like there, there's no, there's no, there's no but if, ands, or buts about even it. Even if it ends there, the plot convenience is all over the place. They're always just having whatever they need kind of fall into their lap a lot. Oh, except for sometimes that doesn't happen when it need, they need to learn a lesson for some reason. You know, it's like very transparent with that stuff. And then the the punch pulling, uh. You know, this would be a very different season if they actually had to grapple with some of these deaths and stuff that they kind of pretend might happen. Um, but, uh, and so it's hard to imagine it in some ways, but also, like, they shouldn't have pulled every single punch. It was too much. I want to be clear. This is a Power Rangers I would recommend watching. Uh, this isn't the first one I would show to people, but it's like the fourth. You know, it's in my top five of what I would show. It's kind of hard to show, like, people the old seasons, right? Just because yeah. of how dated the material is. Um, but, like, introing somebody to Power Rangers, you know, you would probably give them, like, Ninja Storm, Lightspeed Rescue, Time Force, right? And then you can throw in some Mystic Force there. And that's perfectly, like, that's perfectly fine, I think, right there. That's an enjoyable Power Rangers experience. And I also want to say that this is one of the very few seasons where I can put on 
and not necessarily be in the mood for Power Rangers, but be in the mood for like something magical. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it transcends its uh, the basic borders of its box a little bit, and that's cool. Yeah, I wouldn't say by a lot, but definitely by a good enough margin where it's just like, I might not be feeling Power Rangers too much, but I might want to be like, eh, you know, Power Rangers, Mystic Force, whatever, you know? Let's go. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's that's where I'm at with it. Uh, any further thoughts? No, I think uh, I think that summed it up pretty well. All right, on to Operation Overdrive. <laughs> Oh, no. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast, and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.